Hey, sisters and brothers, I have a new sponsor, my friends Gary and Mary Lou from AlkalineWaterSoGood.com. They are international Kangen water distributors. Kangen water is delicious water created from Enagic's innovative water technology. Enagic is a 56-year-old Japanese company with 40 offices in 23 countries, including an office in Manila and eight offices in the U.S. And it is the leading manufacturer of alkaline ionizers and water filtration machines in the world. Not only do these devices filter your tap water, but they also produce ionized alkaline and acidic waters through electrolysis. These waters can be used for various purposes, including drinking, cooking, beauty, and cleaning. Can you imagine never buying bottled water again? The plastic and bottled water often contains BPA and other chemicals, which are proven to be hazardous to your health. And how much fun is it lugging cases of it from the market, recycling it, and you know, plastic is an environmental nightmare. According to Gary, it's also a great way to add an additional income stream. He's been selling machines for over 12 years internationally, and everyone needs the healthiest water in the world. So folks, if you have any questions about Kangen Water, check out their website at alkalinewatersogood.com. That's alkalinewatersogood.com. Or you can email them at gary at garyballin.com. Gary Ballin with two L's dot com. You're listening to the Wolf's Den Radio Show. Talk. Hey, sisters and brothers, thank you very much for joining me for another episode of WDRS Talk, the Wolf's Den Radio Show Talk. I am Wolf Hamora, your host. Again, thank you very much. I appreciate all the support. And uh, it's another episode, another great interview. Um, And it is episode 18. So we are uh, getting on a roll here. And uh, I just wanted to uh, thank all my previous guests for uh, lending their time um, to the podcast. And um, there are, um, I've done four episodes just waiting to be released. And of course, one of them is today, episode 18. And it's uh, and my guest is Jamie Wilson. Very good friend, very old friend. Uh, and um, an all-around artist. He is a stage actor. He is a singer, uh, uh, a vocalist, rock and roll vocalist. Um, He does a really great uh, Jim Morrison impression back in the day. Um, What else? Uh, He's a great production manager. He's an all-around good guy, and uh, it was really fun talking to him. And he also happens to come from a very... um, uh, artistic family. His his father is uh, the late Filipino actor Johnny Wilson, and uh, he has uh, his older sister is Monique Wilson, the theater actress or actor, if you want to call her an actor as well. Um, but Jamie is a formidable uh, artist in his own right, and uh, he's a very good friend. And I hope you enjoy the interview. But anyway. Um, aside from that, I just wanted to tell you a few things. Um, I have completed my coronavirus vaccine vaccinations. 
is what I mean. Uh, I got two shots of the Pfizer vaccine. And the second shot um, I got maybe, uh, I think, three days ago from what I'm recording right now. So um, both times I did not have any um, negative symptoms except for a sore arm, which is uh, pretty normal when you get a vaccine. Um, yeah, I couldn't really raise my arm. It, it hurt, you know, it, it felt like there was a, uh, some thick medicine in my arm, which is what it was. So anyway, aside from that, no symptoms, um, no fever, nothing, no coughing, no, no nothing. And I'm very thankful uh, that I got my shots. And um, a lot of people are getting the shots here now in California. Uh, a lot of stupid things are happening uh, in some states, especially Texas, when the governor lifted all the <laughs> the mask mandates and everything is open 100%. And they haven't even, the, the total number of vaccinations in uh, completed in Texas is only 35%, I think. And don't quote me on that because I might be wrong. But it's not more than 35%. So, or... Or it might be even be 15, but it's not a lot, is my point. And uh, it's very dangerous. So if you are from these states that have lifted these mandates, please continue to self, uh, be vigilant, be self-vigilant, you know, and, and keep wearing that mask, especially if you haven't gotten your vaccine yet. And if if you're an anti-vaxxer and you're, or, or, um, you don't trust uh, some companies, it's fine. But I trust the Pfizer one. I would trust the Moderna one. I would trust AstraZeneca. Um, if you're in the Philippines and listening to this, um, they're trying to broker a deal with China. But that vaccine is very unreliable. And uh, I wouldn't trust it at all. So I would just uh, really hang in there and wait for a legitimate um, vaccine to come along. And, you know, you can do your research as well on the Internet, you know. Um, see which companies are coming up with vaccines because it's not only these companies that are, are, are going to, you know, uh, produce these vaccines. It's any pharmaceutical company. Um, they're going to try and do it and sell it. To the government, uh, the, the governments of countries, so that the governments can um, administer it to their citizens, and hopefully the Philippines and uh, other third world countries will get their turn as well, and uh, and that corruption will not get in the way. Of course, it always gets in the way, but let's hope for the best. But anyway. Um, I'm very fortunate and I'm very, uh, uh, I appreciate the fact that uh, I got my vaccines and, um, and we're all, and, uh, and my, my patient as well, actually, she got her vaccines as well yesterday, her second one. So she's all vaccined up and no, no uh, symptoms as well. 85 year old lady. Very strong, very healthy, doesn't, uh, had no negative symptoms whatsoever. So anyway, moving on. Uh, what else? Um, uh, but that's about it. 
uh, just please uh, support other uh, Filipino podcasts that are out there. And um, yeah, uh, trying to try and get into the habit of listening to podcasts because you get a lot of information and you get a lot of truth. A lot, not all the time, but a lot because conversations, especially in WDRS, these are very unfiltered conversations. You know, there's there's no, I don't cut anything from these interviews unless my the subject you know requests it. But pretty much so far, I've not cut anything, and all the uh, all the interview interviews and conversations that you hear, that's one hundred percent, baby, hundred percent. So anyway, uh, what else? Yeah, please uh, continue to support other Filipino podcasts, and um, and please subscribe to my podcast as well. If you're listening on on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. It helps me a lot, and and please uh, like um, the episode. All all those things help me a lot, um, and uh, so that's how you can show support. And uh, if you're on uh, Spotify, if you listen on Spotify, give it a follow. And that helps me a lot as well. And uh, you can also, you can also donate, uh, give, make a donation to the show on Anchor. So anchorfm.com and uh, just look for the WDRS page. Or, you know, if you see the link, there's an, a link on Anchor. Just click that link, and then you can uh, you can get on the Anchor website on my profile and uh, donate money if you wish to. And it's always appreciated. You know, it always helps. Uh, you know, the show when there are donations, and I always appreciate um, some some good stuff. You know, from you guys. Anyway, uh, so yeah, let's go to the interview now. A great conversation with my friend Jamie Wilson on WDRS Talk. Enjoy. All right, folks, Jamie Wilson. I already did hey, the how you intro. doing, guys? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it, let's start off like this. Uh, it's March, so roughly it's a one-year anniversary, roughly, of yeah. the lockdown. Yeah, one year. One man. year. One, one year. Not going on stage, um, one year of insanity, one year of trying to, you know, reinvent yourself or repurpose yourself. Yeah, you know, yeah, repurpose yourself. <laughs> that's it. yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's what all the you know, and when when the lockdown happened, at least here in Manila, and the arts were declared non-essential, all the theater mm-hmm. people and all the musicians just scrambled because you know we were thinking, what the hell are we gonna do now? And yeah, we were the man. first to get shut down, and we're the last that's gonna go be that that's gonna be able to go back. Yeah, it's the last. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah. And then in terms of here, of the rest of the world, it's just the same thing. In in terms of entertainment, any yeah. kind, any form of entertainment where there is an audience inside an in an air air conditioned hall or whatever, that's the last thing that's gonna come back. Yeah, <laughs> and that's our thing, man. I know that's the you hardest know, thing. I, I have, I have had, uh, I've had two gigs though, mm-hmm. um, which was very, 
you know, which were very fulfilling in terms of, um, you know, being able to play in front of actual people and not a webcam. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, with safety protocols in place and, you know, it's just early because it's like dinner time because we still have a curfew, you know. So oh, you start your... Yeah, you, you start your... in Manila? Yeah, there's still a curfew. Although, you know, you know how it is here. It's mm. flexible. But still, you know, establishments can't tell their people, oh, you can stay till 12. Oh, you know I mean? okay. I get, I get it. Okay. Yeah. So we would start our sets at like 8 p.m. <laughs> Aga. <laughs> what was this? Uh, you were performing, singing? Yeah, I was singing. I was singing with Nina oh. Mendoza. We did an acoustic oh, okay. set in La Colina. Um, right. We've done two so far. And slowly things are coming back because restaurants are allowed to have people. So inside we are trying, or, or yeah, outside? Inside. Inside, oh, inside but okay. with proper ventilation. Right. Uh, so we open, the aircon's open, but the windows are open as well. The doors yeah. are open to uh-huh. promote circulation. There are safe ways of doing it. Except oh, yeah. that, you know, the essential fear of people um, not wanting to go out. You have mm-hmm. the few brave souls who come to your gigs, and that's yeah. nice. That's and really, that's not, really and nice. I have to say, I'm not one of those people, man. I am, <laughs> I am not brave enough to go. I mean, here now, if there was a gig, let's say if, uh, you know, Perf De Castro's band played, uh, I feel like, no, I can't. You know, I'm not yeah. that hungry. Yeah. Because it's just too early in the game, man. And and over here, there there are people who are just waiting and just like uh, uh, just waiting and and longing for all of this to end. Oh, yeah. You know, because you know, of course, we all find it absurd, and it, but but it's reality, and we have to adapt. But there is a section of society that doesn't believe it at all. Yeah. It, yeah. Point, well, I, you know, so that's, that's 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 where we're lucky here in Manila, at least. You know, I mean, wearing a mask and wearing a face shield is the law. Yeah. Yes. So you can't really get around that. So somehow, yeah. that's one of the few things that uh, is keeping us with a semblance of normalcy. Mm-hmm. I guess. I mean, you know, once you've realized, you know, every time I step out of the door, I'm already, you know, wearing a mask, right? Right. Yeah. But um, it's one of the things that have allowed us to sort of be able to go to dining establishments, go to the mall, yeah. and you know still be have that 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 layer of safety and security, because mm-hmm. basically it's against the law not to wear a mask. So that's so, that's what's helping us. So how 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 does it go when you eat out? Are you? Uh, um, some restaurants have these acrylic dividers. Okay. So, so but then most most restaurants practice social distancing. Okay. So and you, um, can, and you can take off your mask while eating while while yeah, you're, well, you while on to, your yeah. yeah yeah same yeah. here I think and right now it's the same thing, especially if it's a bigger restaurant if it's a big room yeah where yeah the ones afford, with space yeah the with, space, with space so they can lucky. afford to you know every other table you know open you know yeah. And um, it also helps that I've repurposed myself into a safety officer. So I've been doing consultations for, you know, some restaurants. We're trying to get bars up and running. But, you know, technically mm-hmm. the government will only allow bars with kitchens to come yeah. up because they have to reinvent themselves as a dining establishment with alcohol. Right. 
Um, and you know, you you check the safety protocols, and it works because after around 19 RT-PCR tests, I can't even count how many antigen tests I've had because Shit. that's that's my job as a safety officer, right? Yeah, right. dude, my nose, my nose is like. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken lang to pare. <laughs> See, your nose is like, hey man, where's the cocaine, man? At least, <laughs> at least have some well, fun, man. That's that's what I've always said, man. You know, I've had worse things up my nose, so this swab is actually one of the better things I've had up my nose, aside oh from my God. finger. <laughs> but I so mean, yeah, but uh, you know, but 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 the you know, there's no full band setup yet that's allowed. Yeah. Um, you you know now we're 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 doing acoustic gigs and it's great to be able to at least play live, yeah. you know, to some in some aspect in some respect. But, Pare, you just miss the full band sound, you know, behind oh, you man. when you're singing. There's nothing like it, the, dude. I'm like I'm like the, the what what I'm fantasizing about these days is the first show that I'm gonna watch. It's like what is the first show that I'm gonna watch. Because yeah. once the lockdown, I mean, total lockdown is totally lifted. Concerts yeah. are good. I mean, I guess there are protocols with concerts. It's that you have to be tested, which is fine. I'll do whatever it takes to go to a show. And I'll probably even be in, in a mask most of the time yeah. until it's yeah. time for the show. Then, you know, I'll take off my yeah. mask. But, you know, it's like, what, which one? Who am I? Yeah, who's yeah, gonna yeah, be yeah, the first, that. right? You know, it's like who's gonna be the first? Is it gonna be? Is it gonna be a small show here? Is it gonna be fucking Roger Waters doing fucking the wall? Because, and and you can imagine, all of the bands, the touring bands, major, minor, whatever, they're yeah. all like, they're pl- they're planning each oh, yeah. each. Each entity is planning world domination. Yeah. Each entity. Yeah. So you can imagine the quality that's gonna come out after all of this is is when it's back open again. You know. Yeah. The I mean, the, the one thing, the one thing that's coming here that's booked mm-hmm. for December, well, rebooked because she had to cancel her show last year. Salanis Morissette. Oh. So we're all hedging our bets that. You know, the conditions continue to loosen up. And now that the vaccines are being rolled out, things are going to yeah. be, you know, she's going to be able to actually come and play. But more yeah. than that, Wolf, I mean, like, we're we're already, all of us have been planning since last year. Mm-hmm. Pare, the first full band gig you can actually put on. The first gig you can play. Yeah. I mean, this is what happened with after six, seven... I, maybe eight months of not playing, my first gig with Nino Mendoza, pare. Mm-hmm. our first song, hindi kami nagko-connect kasi we were so gigil yeah, because yeah, yeah, we yeah, were yeah. playing in front of people. And then yeah. after the first song, it's like, okay, we got to chill out. You know what I mean? Because, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, that's forgivable because we were so gigil. We were so yeah, like, yeah. oh my God, people. Oh my God, no masks. Oh, oh wow. my God, live music. So can you imagine the first time? I mean, more than the gig you're going to watch, Wolf. The gig that you're gonna play, dude. The first, play. Oh, the first gig I'm gonna play, dude. I can't wait for that bip, that first motherfucking hit on the cymbals <laughs> right? with the with the, the whole band. Bam! 
<laughs> oh diba? my God, pare. And that's, and that's the thing that we're trying to, I mean, there are a lot of initiatives here in Manila in terms of like for the, the National Live Events Coalition, people, the, mm-hmm. the suppliers, lighting directors. You know, we all banded together. That's the one thing nice about what happened during the pandemic that we all had this time and we knew we all had to come together as an industry. Mm-hmm. So we're petitioning the government of the importance of the arts, not only as an industry in terms of revenue, in terms of like, you know, taxes and the contributions yeah, yeah, yeah. to, um, you know, the, the, the coffers of our country. But more importantly, it gives people things to look forward to yeah. and something to live for. Because if it's, we're just something, surviving, something what's the to point? live for. Yeah. Something to live exactly, for. Exactly, man. I mean, with my job nowadays, uh, I'm a caregiver, so it's, it's, it's Groundhog Day. You know what I mean? It's the same thing, dude. It's the same yeah. thing every day. Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day. And then every now and then I'll visit a record store. Every now and then I'll take get some takeout. Every yeah. now and then I'll walk through the open mall. There's there's some malls now. It's just open air. It's not inside. Nice. nice. But that's it. You know, there's that's it. There's nothing else to do. You can't watch a movie. Yeah. Watching a movie at home. Yeah, um, and it's a different watching, experience watching something at home. You know, even if you're with your family or your friends or your loved ones, it's a different experience when you see it on the big screen. The collective experience, like a live gig, is yeah. something that's so unique, and it's something that people are so hungry for. Oh, um, yeah, like you know, just musicians that are going to play, and everybody. Yeah, you're right. Everybody's planning world domination. People. Are coming out of the woodwork, realize yeah. and planning tours. Planning tours. Can you imagine the tours that are being planned right now, right? dude? Because and because then they realize, shit, man, this got taken yeah. away from us. So the yeah. people who have stopped touring are thinking of touring again, simply because I want to do this because yeah. the world stopped. The world you stopped, know? and it's like because they think that their <laughs> world stopped just because they're old or whatever they don't want to tour or they don't want to play or whatever no. then they realized like holy shit man we got we got to do this i got to live man yeah and or, that is the know. purest isn't that the purest form like some acts like okay we got to tour because we got to make money or we got to mm-hmm. tour because we got to promote an album in this sense once the lockdowns have ceased and the world starts moving again yeah. this is going to be the engine that is going to get the world moving again because it's the purest reason to go out there and tour because we want to play in front of people. Because we want to play in front of people and we have all of these ideas yeah. that have been stewing since, yeah. you know, for a year at least, you know. <laughs> for a year, yeah. For a year at least. And then Roger Waters, he canceled his tour. Who And so many people canceled tours. Yeah. And, you know, be it the major... Artist or minor band, touring band, everyone stopped. So now they've had all this time to get better and think mm-hmm. about stuff and, and be like, my God, this is like all out na to. So you can Im- imagine all of the, the quality, even even in the local scene in, in, in Manila, whatever. All the musicians, they're just like you said. Are just like hungry, man, just yeah. to play. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you know, and 
<laughs> and I can just imagine, like you, like you and Nino, the first songs of these. But bands. we were sublime. We yeah, were the sublime. First songs man. are gonna be so sublime and, and fast. I mean, the first song slow. we, the first song we did was "Sympathy for the Devil." Yeah. To open up with, to sound check with, you know, the acoustic sound with and all that. And it was so funny because we were not connecting because we were so gigil. And that's just essentially a very simple song to play. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but we were so gigil, you know, I realized I was hanging on to my to my bar stool. You know, my knuckles were white because I was oh, so really? I wanted to exp- I wanted to explode. Oh, wow, I you bet, know, it man. was a very it was a small intimate bar, but put <laughs> I was I was singing it like I was in a fucking arena. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you, <laughs> you wanted to make Jagger out party. <laughs> I wanted to move around. Yeah. I wish I had a wireless mic. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know, I know, I get it, man. But oh, that gigil, that that hunger. Is you know worldwide the artists, and not only in you know in terms of bands, but yeah. you know ball- ballet companies are coming up with something amazing. Um, you know, theater is coming up with amazing ideas because we've had a year to reset, and, and we're we coming a, back. And we've had a year of just of just of just sitting around. But, no, and 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 not just that, but it's the. Uh, it's like the maximum this is the max the most maximum that we've ever lived in terms of like everything is shut down yeah half a million americans have died dude 500,000 wow. yeah. 500,000 yeah the vietnam war was only 50,000 exactly pare you know yeah. so it's like the, the uh, everything that's gonna come out and and then I, I I actually was listening to a podcast and someone was making a point that a lot of the art that you're gonna see is not gonna be directly always about COVID or something yeah. like that. Someone yeah, because yeah. it's too obvious. Yeah. It's too obvious. Yeah. So yeah. The, the the really good artists are gonna go around it. It's still gonna be there because that's what happened to our life in one in, yeah. in one year. Yeah. The whole world experienced the same thing. Oh my God! I can't. I think. I think. I think the the one thing I really look forward to in the art being created now, in terms of, in terms of because of the lockdown, and because mm-hmm. of the way that not only we've had to rethink the way we do business, mm-hmm. but we've had to rethink the way we actually are as people, because you know all of a sudden you were stuck without any of the social norms that were influencing you. You know, um, yeah. you didn't, you know, you, 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 you couldn't go out and be amongst people. And these social norms do influence you. So you had to take a long, hard, at least I, this is what happened to me. I had to take a long, hard look at myself in terms of what kind of person I was, in what kind of man I was and what kind of person I wanted to be. And that's going to be the same thing with the art. It's not just going to be about COVID or the pandemic or the world stopping, but moving forward from that, the great artists are going to create a way through it and right. beyond it so that hopefully, hopefully, this doesn't happen again and we become a better society. Yeah. We hope. It's <laughs> we like, hope. No, but but the thing is... It's, it's like, like a renaissance, uh, man. It's going to be like a renaissance. It's a renaissance, yeah. It's a renaissance. And I hate to always go back to politics, but politics is so popular around the world, Patty, but... And right now, politics is just 
as stupid as politics can get. I've never seen it so stupid in my life. Pare. <laughs> That's true. So, that is true. So, and we were stuck. And the thing is, we were stuck. We are. Yeah. We were stuck with all of this politics, pare, because yeah. all of this drama from Black Lives Matter to the U.S. election to whatever was happening in the Philippines and, and whatever in the world that was experiencing, we all had a front seat to it. And yeah. some of us were even fucking there, yeah. you know. Yeah, there's so many was, people that went out into the street and and was like, "Bala na si Bala na si Batman pare," and yeah, not but even. You got, you got, but you have to make yourself counted, you yeah. know, because of because of all this stupidity, because of all this, um, you know, ineptitude, um, and this this uh, this attitude of like, oh, you know, we're flying by the seat of our pants and they don't realize that the decisions that they make affect everybody. Yeah. Right. Um, th- you know, people had to find themselves out in the street and to just to be counted. Um, yeah. Same thing was happening here to a smaller degree um, because our freedoms were, you know, um, locked, locked down. Uh, yeah. Our lockdown was like a harsh lockdown with military everywhere. Pa. Right. We had checkpoints. I was like, I was yeah. wondering, man. I was wondering uh, when I was going through checkpoints. And this was like legit checkpoints, like, you know, military. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, you're, you're thinking, pare, is this how Sila Pepe and Sila Jun Lupito felt during martial law oh, when they had shit. to move around? natin. Yeah, in dude. terms of in dude. terms of that, and that was my curfew. You had to be home before curfew. You know, the the, yeah. the supermarkets were very limited in terms of how many people they would enter. I had to line it's up for a supermarket, scary, dude. Yeah, I had to line up. You know, you're early in the lockdown. I had to line up for groceries, and we didn't make the cutoff. So oh we were god. like, I can't buy but, food. Oh my god! So you, know what, what you mean? had to wait the next day. Yeah, I had to it, come up. I had to. I had to show up earlier the next day. Shit. So, you know, and that's because, you know, supermarkets were open because they were essential, but they only had to be at capacity because of the COVID mitigation protocols. So you're thinking, oh, my God, man. So, you know, the whole world went through this. But to localize it, I was wondering from all the cuentos of of Sila Pepe, all the martial law, you know, cuentos of of the the Pinoy rock era. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I mean, it was. I can imagine that because I remember the last time I was in Manila, or the last time, no, the last time I was in Manila, there was no. I didn't play. I played with Maximum Rock and Roll. So, but we, when we, the last time I played in a band with Three Headed Dog, yeah, and uh, I think we worked with you. And then I remember the first day. Of one of my trips, you were in the car, and we were on South Superhighway going to Paco area. Do you mm. remember that, dude? Where, where, what's, where were we? Where did we come from, Pare? I have no idea where we were going. Oh my god, I don't know. But I don't. What? But, but the point is, it was traffic because there was a checkpoint, and I had just. I was fresh from here. Yeah. So I had a joint. We had a joint in the. We were smoking a joint in the car, <laughs> and 
And I'm like, apo, tangin na feeling Cali, pare. Feeling California. Oh, whatever, pare. Hindi, hindi pwede dito. No, I know. Yeah, you're like, dude, there's a checkpoint upstairs. They're not gonna like what you're doing here. So I'm like, oh, then it's like right away, the switch went off Manila mode. Yeah. Pinoy, you know, Pinas mode. Right? Oh, yeah. fuck, yeah. Puta, yeah. right away. I'm like, fuck, no, man. This ain't no California. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go to jail, a, man. Which makes a big difference because the last time we saw each other, we were in California. It was my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> the first place right. you take me to is a dispensary. I'm like, yeah. <gasps> freedom, freedom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but, I mean, all here. The, all the dispensaries I hit uh-huh. on that trip, on our last trip, I was so broke. Because yeah, I couldn't, man. I couldn't, it was just the whole idea, you know, was just so alien to me that you had the freedom to walk in mm-hmm. and not only, not only purchase, um, you know, uh, your weed, not only to purchase in weed in whatever form, but what amazed yeah. me most about the dispensaries there are that they have specials. <laughs> like if it's yeah. your first time, and you reach a certain amount of money that you spend, you get freebies. I'm like, freebies? Seriously? You're like <laughs> yeah. the best dealers ever. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, the, the the ones, the the promos that they have are only the fly-by-night, quote-unquote fly-by-night dispensaries. These are dispensaries that uh, they, 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 um, you don't pay taxes. So whatever ah. if if it's uh, whatever the the amount is on the um on your bill store if it's $40 yeah. then you pay $40. But ah. if you go to a legit dispensary, you know, the 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 nice ones, yeah. You have to there's at least I I I I've, I've noticed cuz you get receipts eh? in the yeah. fly by night ones there's no receipt. So when you get a receipt, you see all the taxes, you see the California tax the local county tax, Orange Orange County tax, yeah, and then another yeah. tax. There are three taxes that you pay, man, and it <laughs> and it adds up to at least twelve dollars in taxes, dude. Twelve dollars in taxes, <laughs> pare. Oh my god, it's so much, pare. Yeah, I know, oh. but hey, at least you are paying no, for I'm the privilege to be able I'm not, to. I'm do not that. complaining. I'm not complaining because when you the product is fucking. Amazing, man. I just it's I just a, wish that, you know, one day we are going to be evolved enough here to legalize it because there's, there are numerous studies that have been made. Um, you know, case in point, like Colorado was bankrupt and then they yeah. legalized it and, and now they're built. They have so much money, a surplus of funds that they're building schools. You're yeah. like, wow, man, that's just an Dude, amazing I mean, thing. because the Philippines is... That's the perfect weather for growing weed. <laughs> because all we because the most important ingredient of weed is sunlight. Yeah. And we got a That's lot of how, sunlight. Yeah, you got a lot of sunlight. So the weed, the the plant is gonna grow really fast. So yeah. your harvest, you'll have double harvest, you know, double the time or double the yeah, yeah double the yeah. time because there's so much sunlight. And, and not only that, I mean you have the sister industry of hemp. Yes. I mean, you know, Manila rope is hemp. Yeah. Crying out loud. We've been exporting yeah. that like forever. It's called Manila hemp. The reason you know? why it's called the Manila envelope or the Manila envelope 
Yeah. It's because it was made from him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have to bring that, they have to bring that, um, and there's even a picture, I, I saw it on Wikipedia. There was a picture of an old map and it describes, I think it was the map of either Southeast Asia or of all of Asia. And then each country, it describes its, um, its uh, natural resources, you know, its exports. Yeah. Yeah, and in the Philippines, it's um, it wasn't sugar yet; it was uh, rice and mm-hmm. hemp. Yeah, it's there. It says hemp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we legalize this, we can. I mean, you know, it's it's a it it needs to. You have to change the hearts and minds of people for one thing, right? Um, yeah. And then you know, if you change the mind of the government in terms of just how much money that they can get. That's always easy because our government loves money. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I would love to, if there was a legalization, a lot of people have been asking me, so what position would you like to be in <laughs> if we do get um, you know, legalization here? And for me, I would like to curate the legalization. Because you, with, with the legalization, you have to promote the culture. Yeah. So I would love to... You know, if you have a dispensary, pocha, man, the dispensaries have to have a certain kind of music, a kind of vibe, right, right, I mean, right. a welcoming vibe. Um, you know, you have to have a coffee shop uh, attached to it simply because, you know, you're going to get hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the presentation has to be just like here. It has to be yeah. uh, legit, you know, because you're yeah. not, oh, man, I mean... Just, just the thought. I mean, of legalizing in the Philippines, you have everything because you have hemp and you have cannabis. You, so the cannabis, you can you, you can start so many things. You can yeah. you can manufacture CBD and yeah. and start a company that does that and and manufactures CBD, manufactures hemp, everything. Pare, the Philippines will become a first world country, man. And then, and then I'll probably ask for a cabinet position in the government right. if we legalize it. And I want my title to be chief of stuff. Chief of stuff. <laughs> I want to be. I want to be the chief of stuff. Chief of stuff. <laughs> what are you in charge of? Stuff, man. Stuff. Stuff. But only the good stuff. <laughs> only the good stuff. No, it has to be chief of the of under chief of only the good stuff. So. <laughs> And can you imagine the kind of the kind of art, the kind of music that would come out from that, the kind of personal freedoms that can come from that in terms of, you know, changing your hearts and minds. And really, it's been, you know, it, I, I firmly believe that it was put on this earth by God as a cure-all. See, that's, that, is a, that is, I think, the perfect angle to promote cannabis because Filipinos yeah, because, are very... We gotta get the very, church on our side. Yeah, you have to have the church on your side, and 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 there are examples of it. I mean, Rastafarianism is that's a sacrament. Exactly. Their exactly. ba- their religion is based on that, and they are a recognized religion. So yeah, you cannot dispute that. You know, just because they're not Christian or whatever, but they are Christian. They're they are a Christian sect. 
Yeah. Very Christian, actually. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I, always, I, I always, listen, uh, I, w- I want your take on this. Um, this just came out of nowhere, but I always have this thought about Bob Marley. So Bob Marley to us is like uh, peace and love, social justice. Sounds very, on the surface, like a liberal. He's like yes. the perfect liberal, right? Yeah. But he's Rastafari. He's Rastafarian. And the Rastafarians are very Old Testament based. Yes. yes. So I always have this question in my mind. And one day, if I ever get a chance to meet a Marley, <laughs> luckily <laughs> meet one of the Marleys, <laughs> I'm going to ask them this, sincerely ask them this. It's like, are you as the Rasta, or is your, is your father, or you yourself, since you're very Old Testament based, and very, that it is very anti, it's very homophobic. Yeah. Would Bob Marley be if he hadn't died, if he's still alive, had he would have would have he evolved into quote unquote wokeness in that mm-hmm. in that area because he is Rastafarian and yeah. Rastafarians are fucking they're just as um, you know devoted as you know the Jewish people that go to the Wailing Wall. And the yeah. Muslims that go yeah. to Mecca, you know, it's, it's like that, you know. The, so, I mean, what do you think about that? You know? I think I think he would be because I think he captures the essence of like, you know, one love. Mm-hmm. And when, when, you know, if you follow an artist like Bob Marley and you see his body of work, right? Um, yeah, I'm judging. I, I've never met the man. I don't know the man. Right. right? right. Um, and there's always the danger of judging the man via his work, which could mm-hmm. be two separate things. But I think an artist like Bob Marley lived his art. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I think he would have gone to the essence of his beliefs and saying, look, if this is, if the, you know, you know, love your fellow man, that's open to interpretation. Right. <laughs> I mean, what kind right. of love? Are yeah. you talking to uh, talking about uh, you know when you say love your fellow man, but if at the essence of it, I think he would have gone into wokeness in that sense mm. and gone to the essence of his teachings because you know I mean the Old Testament made way to the New Testament and these are all um, and I hate to say this political ramifications of the councils in the Catholic right. Church. Right. right. Yes. Um, yeah, I agree. But yeah. but but the first books that have been written. That's why, you know, it's still the best-selling book in the world, the Bible. When you yeah. read the Bible and the versions of the Bible, um, yes, there are a lot of "thou shalt nots," but if you capture the essence of things, basically they just wanted us to get along mm-hmm. and work our way through whatever issues that divide us. I mean, there's not only, you know, there's there's, there's um, you know, homosexuality, there's racism. But if you go to the Old Testament also, there are, you know, it's very descriptive of ways that a man should dress. You know, he has right. to wear a certain robe, which yeah. does not apply anymore. Yeah. So inevitably, you have to pick and choose what you believe in. And I think Bob Marley is the kind of artist that, that chose, you know, as he says, one love. 
Mm-hmm. And I think he would have been not, perhaps not an advocate, but perhaps in terms of tolerance and letting people believe what they believe. Because he never right. shoved it down our throats. You know, in, in terms of like, you know, some of the concerts that I've watched, um, you know, on video, um, listening to his music, it's mm-hmm. basically like the essence of jamming. Yeah. If, if five people congregate in a room and discuss their beliefs, you're not going to agree on everything. But the importance is, the, the important thing is to have the conversation continue. And isn't that what jamming is all about? Right. I'm just jamming with you. Yeah. You know, and yeah. if we keep on going to the table and talking to each other about our issues, our take on issues, our opinions on issues, where we stand, then the dialogue will continue so that we can work shit out. Right. There are a lot of things I don't understand in this world and a lot of things that I don't, you know, um, agree with. But I've always been a person that want, you know, would I would agree to disagree with people. Because if we were all coming from the same place, we wouldn't be individuals. Yeah. And our individuality is what's so important as human beings. Right. You know, whether you belong to a tribe, a race, a country, right? At the end of the day, if you break it down to the essence of it, we all know, as human beings, we all know how it feels like to have our hearts broken, how to be in yeah, love, exactly. to be hungry. We all yes. put on our pants one leg at the same time. You know, one leg at a time. Yeah. You know what I mean? We got to work break, to make ends yeah. meet. Buddy. Yeah, we all got to work to make ends meet. We all yeah. got to be, you know, kinder to each other in terms of like dealing with the world and more tolerant and more understanding. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remove the political agenda and make it into a human, a human revolution and yeah. have those values intact, then I think the world will essentially be a better place because I'm not telling anybody my beliefs are what you should believe in. Mm-hmm. I respect yours if you respect mine and let's jam. Yeah, It's as simple as that. That's why music, you know, live music, like if you have a band, is the perfect microcosm for it. Because you have five, four or five individuals from very diverse backgrounds, oh, yeah. you know, coming from separate lives. And what do you agree on? A bass line, a riff, <laughs> yeah. a song, a bridge. Yeah. It's a perfect microcosm. Yeah, and then it leads, you, it leads you, like the song is the sum of all its parts. Yes. So your contribution, even if you're coming from the left and this guy's coming from the right, but if you yeah. meet in the group, the, the group, yeah. is more, group is more meet, important than you. You meet on the one, man. Yeah, you meet on the one. <laughs> it's a perfect <laughs> microcosm. Yeah, it's a perfect microcosm for it people is. who can get along. Yeah. And, and yeah, I never thought of it that way. But you're you're definitely right because when you jam, that's one thing. Um, I've been lucky with uh, with Wolfgang is that we weren't just a band that could write songs, but we were a band that could jam because we started as a jam band. Yeah, because it, by necessity, and the same thing happened with uh, with Razorback, you know, because they didn't have enough songs to fill three sets. 
Yeah. So you just you just jam one song could be fifteen minutes, Barry. Yeah. They used to play cocaine for thirty minutes <laughs> when they were starting <laughs> right? off in Cali. I'd be like, oh my god, it's thirty minutes, my god! But you know, there was no one there, so but they had to fill I the also, time. I also <laughs> remember like coming in. I, I, you know, when I was looking forward to this interview, I was thinking, and a memory came to my head, where I remember dropping acid at home one night, and it was my first solo trip, and I was, you know, like getting into me and getting into the universe, getting into myself, right. Uh-huh. And then I realized, I think it might have been a Friday or Saturday night. And I'm like, Pucha, I have to, after I peaked, you know, I was coming down. I, I dropped early. And I was thinking, I have to go out and road test these new superpowers I have, right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> an acid, right? And I ended up going to, one, to a Wolfgang gig okay. at this bar um, on the corner of Makati Avenue and Buendia. It's on the Dude. ground floor. The park, I forget. Yeah, that's it there. Saint-Tropez. Saint-Tropez. Behind the 7-Eleven. Yes, behind the 7-Eleven. And I remember, Pucha, I'm going to Saint-Tropez, pare. And of course, in my, in, my, in my state of mind, I have to wear a very colorful jacket. So I picked up Monique's, my sister's really colorful blazer. I was all black cowboy boots, but I picked up a really colorful blazer. And I walk into the, to the bar. Okay. I got a beer. And yeah. you guys asked me to jam. I don't remember what I jammed, but I remember oh, it feeling. It felt so good being up on that stage with newfound perceptions, with, you know what I mean? With, yeah, in uh-huh. this state of mind. Oh, wow. And it was all just tinginan. And you, and you, like you said it, kita kita tayo sa one. Yeah. You know, and it was completely unplanned. Um, I forget, it was probably a cover song. It was probably Roadhouse Blues. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but it was it was epic in a sense, and I don't think just you know I don't think it was just because of the state that I was in, but it was it was you know um, something that was so free form in some parts, mm-hmm. but we all met back at the one, yeah, without planning it, without thinking about it, it was almost mm-hmm. instinctive. And that was one of the best trips I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I am uh, honored that I was part of that party. I know, I know what you mean, man. I mean, when the jamming is perfect and it's just like ESP between the yeah. members, yeah. it's like when they say, you know, when musicians say, uh, you know, playing live music, in front of a crowd that's better than sex. To me, that statement happens when that happens. Yes. When all of the Agreed. members are just in sync, totally in sync. Yeah. That whatever you do, it's like you're so open. It's like, okay, um, because it, it really happens with some guy. One, 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 someone will do something. Yeah, and then it depends on the others if they're gonna be open and kind enough to go along with what that that guy did, right? Yes. You, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's like you. one it's, guy. It's like one guy saying, "Come with me, come with me, guys." Yes, come with me, and then you're like, and then and then for me, when I hear something like that, when either Mon does it, or if I'm jamming with Razorback and Louis Talan does it, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. they yeah. they they uh they opened a secret door, so I'm yeah. gonna go. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm gonna go yeah. with them because and, and you have no assurances. You're there are no assurances that you can come back. And no, that's the that's the thrill, that's the thrill of it. That's the that's the excitement that you feel because where are we going? I don't know, but let's go. Dude, there has right? there have been play there have been times when the jam just we just had to stop playing. Because <laughs> we were like, we're, I don't know where to go. Let's just stop and then start <laughs> again. One, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Kasi wala na, wala, wala na. It's like, san, pa, san tayo pupunta? Um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, well, it's and not that happening. Goes back, so this that, goes back, that goes back to our early days when we were watching Coco Jam. Do these uh-huh. like, and where, I mean, like, you know, they, they were known to play, you know, not only their songs, but a lot of Bob Marley covers, right? Going yeah. back to Bob Marley and putting in Coco Jam in this. But where they took... Like, for example, off the top of my head, where they took No Woman, No Cry, mm-hmm. it became something like, you know, it's a very slow, you know, medium tempo song, you know, but they would take it to like Parang Credence, Clearwater Revival, Grateful Dead. We're go- I mean, you know, it was a 15-minute jam yeah. and they would come back home. They would come and back. And I was like, and I, you know, I remember one of my earliest conversations with Silla Raleigh and Silla June. It's like, you, where did you guys go? And the only answer I ever got was a shrug and a smile, especially from Rolly. Rolly, Rolly's like, eh. <laughs> and you're like, wow. And then you realize, you know, since we were, you know, uh, I was very young and I had no idea yeah. what it was playing with the band, right? right? Yeah. You realize now this is, there, there's no planning involved. It was perfectly in the moment. Yeah. And you had the unison and the agreement to be open by each member of the band to agree Oh, we're going there. Let's go. Yes, and, and then somehow, just... it... go, go, go. And, and somehow, um, agreeing that you're going somewhere, and then there's a moment in the somewhere where you agree, let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's usually Manuel Legarda who says, "Let's go back." Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> It's too far out now. Far, far out. Far yeah, you only need one. You, you always need yeah. one guy. Yeah. The one guy who yeah. said, okay, guys, let's come back slowly. Let's, let's come back. back. <laughs> right? Go but back that, to leads the the most, that, that leads to the most epic jams. I was just watching um, the Grateful Dead documentary. Um, mm, I think. Long I Straight think. Trip. Yeah, and I just watched that too, man. Yeah, and it's amazing. Like the quote from Mickey Hart mm. that um, when people, you know, he's a drummer, right? Yeah, of yeah. the Grateful Dead. And the quote I loved from him, the one takeaway I took from the six episodes or seven episodes, no matter how long it was, it was great to see a slice of life at the time and getting to know these musicians, right? And the life that revolved around it. But, you know, the one quote that I loved from him is like, you know, when people ask, this is Mickey Hart talking, right? Um, When people ask me, what do I do? I always say that I'm in transportation. (laughs) And I'm like, what the fuck? Why? Because Mm. I'm supposed to take you on a trip, right? Mm. So I'm in transport. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that Essential. was amazing. <laughs> Essential business, yeah, and transportation. Oh, <laughs> I'm, your, I'm your bus driver. Where are you on? Oh, go? yeah, dude. Fuck oh. yeah, man. And that no, I mean, I mean, I, 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 when I realized that Wolfgang had that ability, because and, and ironically, it happened when we got Mon because Mon was into, you know, he was into prog, he was into jazz, he was into 
so it was easy for him to improvise because he yeah. liked jazz anyway, you know, at the yeah. time, especially at, at, at the time. It's like, okay, we're improvising, heavy metal improv, okay, I'm down, you know. And why not? And we weren't hard-headed enough to just say, to be like, let's say Metallica, where it's like, Metallica. You know, Metallica is like that. You know, you can't, you can't stray away. That's why Jason Newsted is not with Metallica anymore because he, he tried to do something else. He wanted to do psychedelic shit. So, yeah. And you can't do that. But Wolfgang had really wide boundaries, man. You know, you could go. And the, and the most, um, I think the pinnacle of it all happened in one show in uh, Bacolod City. And we were jamming. Uh, and and an example of, of how we jam is, is like uh, the video of um, Acoustica, the acoustic mm, yes. concert. In that jam gym. in that, that whole instrumental part in Holik Nehudas. That's a jam. That's not planned. Whatever is there on that tape, that's it. It's yeah, like what, yeah. what you get with the Grateful Dead. Whatever's on tape, that's it. It's gonna that's be the moment. Dis- it's going to be different the next time we do it. We try to do it. So that's how Wolfgang jams. And then, so we were in Bacolod, and same thing, Halik Nihudas, there's a drum solo, and then it goes into a bass solo, and then Manuel comes back in, and then we go into a jam. And depending on the crowd and, uh, and the vibes of the band, that's how the jam's gonna go. It's totally yeah. like the Grateful Dead, man. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. And then and you know, you're 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 in the moment, and you have like what your your four guys, um, just open enough mm-hmm. to go with that one guy who said, "Hey, let's do something different." Yeah, and that's what I actually loved about you guys because you know Wolfgang on the album is very different from Wolfgang live, and that's the beauty yes. I think of it. That was the yeah. beauty of going to your shows, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, if you went to a Wolfgang show and you saw, and then you experienced that jam, that wasn't the same thing from the the night before or the, the yeah. it's going to be totally different. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. going back to that Bacolod gig, the, it was the pinnacle of jam, jam because the, the crowd was so into it that, um, we were jamming, and then it came to a part where I started. I and Manuel, I was doing a um, a bass drum, do 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 do, and then I was playing with the toms, and then we were just like, where, 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 where are we gonna go now? Where are we gonna go now? And then I think Manuel starts going, you know, with his metal guitar, right? So once I start hearing that, oh, I like right away I lock in. So I go to the floor tom and I'm like, and then Mon right away, they all get it right away. So we're doing yeah. this thing and it's loud and heavy. And the moment we do it, the moment that the whole band locks into that riff, and not just the riff, but the the even the drums, the yeah, yeah, it was like this. No one told them to do it. Yeah. They just, oh my God, dude. 
I was and that's like, the, oh. and that's the beauty of the live element, the live yeah. performances, because you, you don't plan this shit. And the audience is the missing band member. <gasps> because where would music be if you just had four guys in a room without yeah. anybody there? That's the seed of it, yeah. But once you put in the audience, then it becomes a whole different thing. And yeah. unplanned, but... You know, oh my God, that, good that's yeah, the missing man. piece. They become, they become the next band member. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, and then it becomes an experience. And it, and it both myself, the band, and them experience yeah. together. Yes. So there's already yeah. a connection. It's like no more. The, the band being on the stage is just the band being on the stage. But you already connected with the crowd. Yes. Mission accomplished, Pare. You, 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 know, you guys said, let's go there, and everybody else went. Everybody there else went. It's the That's perfect the power. It's the, the power of show, music. man. That's the power and, and of I've, music and live music. Yeah. Live music. And I've been in concerts like that, man. I've been in concerts. This is the most touching thing that I've ever experienced in a, in a concert here. Small show, um, Chris Robinson Brotherhood. Mm. So it's Chris Robinson of the of the Crows, the Black Crows. Yeah. And it's yeah. his band. And jam band, really good. The their guitarist at the time, he he passed away recently, but he was really good because he was going. He was going and the notes that he played, uh, you know, like all these jam band, it's it's about the lead guitarist, you know, like yeah. like uh, Jerry Garcia and uh um the the, the guy of fish, uh Trey yeah. Anastasio, you know. And um, and with uh, with um, uh, shit, I'm losing my thought train of thought uh, with the Chris <laughs> Robinson Brotherhood. No, with yeah. CRB, small gig, guitarist, small gig, yeah, intimate gig, yeah. Their 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 lead guitarist. He was like that. So he was he would like I would be like, oh my god, I wish I was on LSD right now. Oh my god, this is so good. <laughs> I wish I was on. I wish I was on psilocybin, man, because I was, you know, just on weed, right? But this this guy would, and after the show, it felt so good. I think Jay Ortega was actually there in Sands. They were there, and everybody in the audience was high fiving. Everybody was hugging each other, dude. Yeah. Strangers were coming yeah. and just saying, dude, that was so fucking good, man. That was so good. Did you feel it, man? Did you feel it? They're like, yeah, man, I felt it. And you, <laughs> yeah. And this is not just people here. Everybody was like high-fiving, like, dude. I was like, wow, pare. Iba to, pare. This is like spiritual, man. This yeah. is like, this is like how you feel when you go to a really good, you know, a good sermon of a priest, you know, he feels exactly. that you, it's, you know, it's a religious experience, man. It was a religious experience and people were acknowledging it. They were hugging and smiling. It's like, dude, did you feel that man? And you're like, yeah, I felt it, man. And then you, then you, you know, you, you lock your hands and then you fucking hug. And then everyone, everyone was doing it. I, I was like, oh, are these, uh, is it just these two dudes that are really, getting the vibes when you look around the crowd the crowd's thinning but everybody's hugging i'm like what the fuck what is this that man happened, <laughs> happened to me, happened to me in san francisco when i watched the grateful dead for the first time and oh. imagine you know i mean you know me wolf i mean i'm always in all black 
right? Yeah, yeah. So can you imagine this one skinny Filipino kid with long hair in all black in a sea of tie-dye? Tie-dye. <laughs> Everybody sure. was... Everybody was giving me like bad looks. What the hell is wrong with you? Until this one guy, uh-huh. this one guy came up to me, like, you know, like, you know, white guy, dreadlocks, tie dyed, you know, uh-huh. but very, very serious look on his face. And he came up to me and he's like, hey, man, was he are you younger, the man? Younger? Yeah, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was about my age. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so one of the younger guys. But then he took it upon himself to come up to me and ask me, hey, man, are you the man? And in their vernacular, that they were yeah, asking, yeah, yeah. are you a cop? You a cop? Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. Are you cool? And I was like, that, yeah, you know. So, are you the man? And I said, no, man, you the man. And he just laughed, <laughs> and basically, and basically, he adopted you me. the man. <laughs> no, I said, yeah, you, you the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, no, you and he just adopted me into his whole tribe. And it was a religious experience to see the Grateful Dead. But the oh, next yeah. night. We, I went, I got tickets to see the Jerry Garcia band. Oh, wow. You know, um, in a smaller venue. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I had nothing. I had no tie-dye with me. So I show up in all black again. <laughs> and, and, and this guy and his tribe was also there. So okay. immediately, when they see me, hey, you're back, man. <laughs> me again. And, you know, they, you, know I did, you don't know a lot of people. When you go, you know, my first concerts, I, w- I would go alone because, you know, nobody would go with me or people were too right. busy. When I watched Nebworth, I, w- I, went, I was alone in a sea of like, you, you know, thousands. You went to Nebworth? Yeah, that was my first international concert because oh. I was in London with my sister Monique. Floyd one? That was with Pink Floyd. That oh, was with Page and Plant before they were Page and Plant. That was with Clapton with Phil Collins yes. on drums. Yes. Um, you know, um, so I went alone. And somehow, because I guess, you know, um, you have to pass muster. You have to pass the coolness test in that sense. You Are, are you cool? You know, uh-huh. um, I would always go home with so many more friends. Mm-hmm. That led to a really good experience when you're alone and, you know, I mean, you're hanging out with theater people. Yes, I get to know the theater people because my sister was in Miss Saigon. But these were, you know, music lovers, concert goers, yeah, more yeah, yeah. my people. And they would always, somehow I'd always get adopted into tribes. Same thing happened nice. to me when I watched the Rolling Stones in Wembley with Bill Wyman. Pa. That was the, that was yeah, the wow. Urban Jungle Tour. That was the Urban Jungle Tour. For wow. um, for Voodoo Lounge, I would go alone, and I would always end up outside with a whole posse of people who just basically <laughs> adopt me, you know. But but the religious experience where everybody was hugging um, that I experienced was at the Jerry Garcia Band, very small mm-hmm. venue. Think about like maybe double the size of Calle, you know. Yeah, okay. with a, with a bal- with a balcony that's small. Right. No, that's the same. That's the same kind of venue that I saw CRB. Like, right? like that. I mean, yeah. beautiful, intimate, you know, and all that. And Pucha, yeah. we were all hugging. We were all, you know, like exchanging numbers, making plans. <laughs> and by the end of that San Francisco trip, these guys took it upon themselves to actually tie dye something for me. And basically, wow. what they told me is that you gotta, you gotta, you need some color in your life. I'll never forget that moment. <laughs> Where the guy gave me a shirt. And it wasn't even a Grateful Dead shirt. It was a plain shirt that they themselves had tie-dyed. Yeah. And they told me, look, you need some color in your life. So this is for you. 
And nice. nothing, nothing else in the world made me feel like parang, ooh, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I'm man. The, I'm the man. I'm the man. <laughs> That's the best. Are you the man? No, man. You the man. <laughs> Dude, you know? Yeah. I mean, I couldn't think of any other response at the moment. And they're like, yeah. all right, you're cool. Come here, you know? <laughs> And that was, it's amazing how, how music or a live um, gathering of people all listening to some excellent musicians can have that kind of religious experience. And even yeah. like not even a religious experience, but a, uh, a social experience that would break down the barriers. Because no matter from what walks of life you're coming from, mm-hmm. at the end of the show, you're hugging this stranger. Yeah, you know, exactly. And it's a real and it's a real hug. It's not one it's of those perfunctory. Hug. It's not one of those fist bumps or perfunctory hug. Na parang, no, it's a real no. hug. It's a real hug, dude. It's a real like. It's like and they and then you know when they say, "Did you feel that, man?" And then you're like, "Yeah, dude, I think I did." Right. <laughs> you know, it, it breaks it breaks down all the walls. It breaks away all the bullshit in the world because basically you have just gone through one hell of an experience mm-hmm. and so did the guy next to you. Yeah. And that alone is enough to bring down these walls that we oh have spent. Oh my God. So yeah, dude. That it, it like, it's like, uh, it's like, it, it's like a, the force field that that surrounds every human being is lifted for yeah. like five seconds and you and you yeah. see the person as your total equal and you're like fuck man yeah. you know and you're happy you, you, and you're happy you're there because they it's a validation it's not just me right you felt it yes too, right? yeah. yes i felt exactly it yeah all of a sudden you become some sort of family yeah because of that one moment with the five yeah. seconds that your four shields all your four shields go down at the same time yeah and it's and it's and it's and the mere fact that everyone or whoever felt it who was hugging after the show they were they were open enough to receive it yes. to receive the music coming from the band and feel it the and, same way I did. Yeah. You yeah. know, that's it's weird, but it's so weird. You know, in a in a in a mic in, in, in a smaller sense, that would happen to me when I'd watch, you know, some of our friends do an amazing jam. Yeah. Uh in whether it be in Kalye or in Mayrix or what have you, you know, in, yeah. in Atrium. You know, when when all the walls would come down. Because, you know, we 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 always had these tribes here. You know, you have your punks. Yeah. Since the scene was so small, we would always be yeah. in one place. Because it's the only <laughs> yeah. place that had like music. But then you had the rockers, the long hairs, the punks, the stoners, yeah. the alcoholics. And they would always be in their, you know, very rarely did the groups interact. Yeah. Unless there was a gig. Yeah. Like, I remember the first Ultra Storm showing up. At Ultra to watch the dawn and after image, I was in, you know, a trench coat in the height of summer for crying out loud in Manila. <laughs> um, I had Elmer's glue in my hair, so my hair would be in a mohawk. I was in army oh boots and combat God. boots. And then you see and then you see the 80s go-go girls, you see the punks, you see the new wavers and all that, but we're all jumping at the same time when yeah. enveloped ideas. Yeah, starts. it's weird, no? <laughs> you know? 
all these walls that we built for ourselves just go down. And I think that's why people go to these gatherings. Yeah. Because yeah. it's an opportunity to let your walls down and enjoy yourself. And enjoy and, yourself, yeah. And, and in, a, in, a, in a sense, forget yourself. Yeah. Forget your bullshit, forget your problems, forget your hang-ups because you're just watching a band and the groove is really good. Yeah. And you're jumping up and down or going at the same time as yeah, this guy dude. next to you who might be listening to something else entirely, who might come from a different walk of life, who is wearing different clothes, you know, um, subscribing to a different way of life, but we're yep. all jumping okay. on the beat. Yep. Because and of that the, the one connection. And it connection, yeah, that one connection, man. It's the power of music, man. And you yeah. know what I do when when I when I watch shows that are a little bigger, like arena shows, where where you can where you can look at one part of the crowd. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna look at uh, section C of uh, <laughs> you know row. A to A to J of section C on that side, whatever, and see how they're reacting, and then look over to my left, and look look over to another group of people and see how they're reacting, and then going down there and seeing how those people are reacting. Yeah, you know, because I, I, I like to observe yeah. people. I like I I, I like yeah. doing it. Yeah. I, you know, I like looking at people and how they react, and it's just a, it's just amazing. It's fascinating how. They're reacting at the same time. So I'm looking right, I'm looking left, I'm looking front, looking back. At the same time, I'm reacting to them like, Wah! I'm freaking out as <laughs> yeah. well. You know? I love so, walking around. I love walking around during those big concerts. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And seeing how far I can go. Like, you know, if you don't have tickets to the floor, I want to see if I can get mm-hmm. to the floor. You know, right, that's the right. criminal element in my brain. You know, I got I to yeah, get yeah, the floor. Yeah. That's yeah. how far I can go. But when you go out of your row, when you go out of your section, and it's, you know, you see different people, right? Mm-hmm. And it's amazing because it really doesn't make a difference. The only difference it makes is if you can afford a better view or not um, in these big arena concerts, right? But right. at the same yeah. time, at the same time, it's, you know, if it's a good show, and, you know, more often than not, it is a good show. A, a good show removes even that barrier, of like, oh, I was up front. Oh, I was far. Like when we watched oh, yeah. U2, I, I couldn't afford, like when, we, when U2 came here, I couldn't uh-huh. afford um, floor tickets, right? Yeah. But the impact of the performance and the whole show still left me in tears. And when yeah. you look around you, pucha, everybody's in tears. Oh, really? But tears, but tears of joy that tears we're actually joy. here watching you know, watching this amazing band. Yeah. They're all like reminiscing from of, from high school. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, I mean, they played the entirety of Joshua Tree. Oh, my God. So, of course, you, mga, you, you see the age groups. Eh. Yep. You see the age groups. Everybody who knows the lyrics, oh, kabatch ko kayo. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, the best one happened here, man. Uh, it was... Long time ago already, probably at least 10 years, maybe 15 years already ago. And Tears for Fears here mm. in Orange County. And so, of course, Tears for Fears, Patty. You got to watch Tears for Fears every time they play. So we go there and they start playing. And right away, 
everyone stands up. First song, party right away, diba? So in the, the in the row in front of us, so it's me, my sister April, her boyfriend at the time, and my cousin, and and yeah, and then in front of us there was you know everyone was partying, but yeah. especially right in front of us there was this guy, pare. He was tall, maybe your height, but he was always like. Um, Everybody wants to rule the world. He was like all out, all out. Every song he knew the lyrics. I'm like, and then I started. I started whispering to my sister and my cousins like Pinoyan, Pinoyan, pare. Sigurado ako Pinoyan, pare. <laughs> you know. So when the show ended, lights, house lights, come on, diba So he. He stands up and right, you know, right away it's like, yeah, he's Pinoy. And then he turns around, he recognizes my cousin's husband at the time. And then they're like, oh, pare, what are you doing? He's <laughs> like, I'm going Pinoy, pare. So that just happens, man. Yeah. And man, if we know all the lyrics, you know, especially with a certain band, you know all the lyrics. That's definitely a Filipino yeah, who doesn't man. care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. And then, that's why I, it's so weird, like getting, like watching these big arena shows abroad uh-huh. and watching here, because you know, watching the arena shows abroad, you know, as a tourist, um, like when we watched, we also watched U two um, when I was in, when I was when I when I went to Nebworth, when I watched the Rolling Stones, when I watched Prince. Yeah, um, I was never worried about. Wow, somebody might know me. Mm. There's there's a veneer of there's a there's a there's a idea of anonymity because dude, I'm in a foreign land. Yeah. I don't know anybody. Yeah. Nobody knows me. She can basically cut loose. And here, when I notice, what I noticed, like when we watched Aerosmith um, or Stone Temple Pilots, uh-huh. it takes a while for the crowd to warm up and yeah. forget and forget yeah. that. Because yeah. we're all like, oh, I know these people, you know, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And eventually, though, um, probably by the third or fourth song, wala na, partying na tayo. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. like, we're like, who cares if people know me or not? Or if I know anybody or not? I'm not going to judge them. We're all watching Aerosmith, man. We're yeah. all watching Stone Temple Pilots. Um, but it takes a while to warm up. And that's the main difference that I see in the foreign concerts. I mean, the, the, the concerts I've seen abroad. You know From the why? first, the lights go down, palang people are going nuts. Yeah, because pare, people are already drinking before the show. <laughs> that's what they don't do in Manila. That's what I learned. That's what I learned when we watched you two. We watched you two with Kathy Chochaco. Um, yeah, me yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it was a three sixty tour. First time we're seeing you two, and it was in the summer. And this bar had a brilliant idea. This was in uh-huh. Jersey. This bar had a brilliant idea that you go park your car at their bar, you have a few drinks, mm-hmm. and they will school bus you because it was summer. They rented all these school buses to take you to the arena, uh, to the arena, and pick you up also afterwards. Yeah, but you, but yeah, because you you bought drinks from them, yeah. so yeah, yeah. Bought, yes, it's a free service. But then yeah. everybody in that bar, more importantly, everybody on that bus, strangers, huh, strangers. Uh-huh. Yeah. We were all psyched and drunk before we even got to the arena. Yeah, pare. 
Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh my god. Excellent service that was. And I was thinking, my God, whoever thought up of this idea was brilliant. Because you know, in the bar, we're listening to you two already. In the yeah. on the bus. You know, you 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 look at your designated bus where you're getting dropped off. Yeah. You board that bus. So everybody on the bus was more or less in your same section. Right. Having yeah. to go through the same gate. Yeah. So immediately you have a, a bigger community than just you or your girlfriend, you know, or your friends, you have more friends and you're yeah. all watching out for each other because you're, as a group, you're already going to the concert and you're yeah, you have, psyched. Everyone's doing, everyone's going to the same mission. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have the, and then, okay, everyone has the nobody, same mission. And then afterwards, oh, nobody gets left behind. Huh? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. It was an amazing experience. I mean, not just because we watched YouTube, but that whole... Um, programming before going to the arena was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, there's because there, yeah, here in the States, I mean, they don't do it anymore. It's outlawed already, but you know, the, the, the culture of tailgating. Yeah, tailgating. You know, yeah. I mean, they still probably allow it during sports uh, events like football yeah, you games. Can't re- you can't remove that from sports events. Yeah, but if it's a concert, you can't, they don't allow it anymore. Yeah. You can't tailgate, so, but, but what they do is, you know, it's a smart thing because now you either drink at home before the show or you drink at the venue, yeah. you know, and everyone drinks at the venue, so they make more money since no one's drinking in the parking lot anymore, diba? Yeah. But, but do you but, think do you think Wolf like that whole culture here? We missed out on that. Simply we really missed that. out on that. I think. Well, it's not really because martial well, law. For one it, thing, yeah, martial law, and and for another thing, it rains, dude. Well, yeah, but you know, I you mean, know. aside from that, I think like you know, in the old Woodstock days, like the Pinoy Woodstock days, that was happening uh-huh. here, right. but eventually it was discouraged. Because I think you know, I mean, our authorities were just afraid of all these drunk, long-haired people. You know, it was just you know, it was just that that, that it was just that whole time, man. I mean, it wasn't just the Philippines, man. All the whole of South America was going through the same thing, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were all scared of communists. I mean, it was communism at that time. You yeah, know, it was the we Cold were, War. It was the Cold War. The Cold War, yeah. So, yeah. So you know, everyone was paranoid about communists, and and uh, so well, you couldn't couldn't do anything, man. But, and um, you didn't, and you didn't know who was undercover in the parking lot or not. Yeah, report yeah. You. I mean, that's why course, when you get you get asked the question: Are you the man? Yeah, that's why. <laughs> you to say, no man, you the man. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure, dude. I I I I'm sure you fucking look like an agent provocateur. <laughs> you know, with your all black, they were like, "What the fuck is this?" I know, in a sea of in a sea of tie dye. Yeah. You were like, the balls in this motherfucker, motherfucker. I know, yeah. That's, <laughs> you know? that's exactly what the Grateful Dead guy said. It's like, dude, seriously, you're the dead show. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> you know, I know I'm on a dead show. Why the hell do you look like that? I'm like, these are the only clothes I own, man. <laughs> <laughs> you be like, I like the doors, man. What the fuck? Yeah, I like the doors. Yeah, dude. I like the doors. They're probably like, well, yeah, you're right. I like the doors too, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, sisters and brothers, I have a new sponsor, my friends Gary and Marilou from AlkalineWaterSoGood.com. 
They are international Kangen water distributors. Kangen water is delicious water created from Enagic's innovative water technology. Enagic is a 56-year-old Japanese company with 40 offices in 23 countries, including an office in Manila and eight offices in the U.S., and it is the leading manufacturer of alkaline ionizers and water filtration machines in the world. Not only do these devices filter your tap water, but they also produce ionized alkaline and acidic waters through electrolysis. These waters can be used for various purposes, including drinking, cooking, beauty, and cleaning. Can you imagine never buying bottled water again? The plastic and bottled water often contains BPA and other chemicals, which are proven to be hazardous to your health. And how much fun is it lugging cases of it from the market, recycling it, and you know, plastic is an environmental nightmare. According to Gary, it's also a great way to add an additional income stream. He's been selling machines for over 12 years internationally, and everyone needs the healthiest water in the world. So folks, if you have any questions about Kangen Water, check out their website at alkalinewatersogood.com. That's alkalinewatersogood.com. Or you can email them at gary at garyballin.com. Gary Ballin with two L's dot com. But yeah, the power of music and bringing people together. And you know, that's what's so, that's what's so terrifying um, you know, in the beginning of the lockdown is that we're all about bringing people together, you know, music, arts, theater. The scariest thing at the lockdown is that, you know, not just because all your shows were canceled, all my shows were canceled for the yeah. year. Um, you had to figure out how to, you know, pay your bills and make a living and survive this, not only practically, but also like mentally and psychologically. And psychologically, I was like, how is this going to affect everybody that we're staying at home and the initiatives, the online initiatives that happened um, after, you know, when we figured out that, dude, we're not going to be able to go out of our houses for a while. Yeah. The role that technology played in getting people together yeah. broadened our horizons. Like, you know, when was the last, you know, when was the last time we spoke like this and we're actually able to do it because of this wonderful online platform. Right. You know, I mean, which despite would have never, like the like StreamYard and Zoom, which would have never been anything if this didn't if this happen. pandemic, yeah, this pandemic didn't happen. Yeah. The the whole idea of needing to reach out to people, yeah. like I would, I would essentially, we would talk only if we had a project together, if we were throwing ideas together, or if you were going to come home, or if yeah. I was going to go there, right. But which was the, the, which was the point, which was yeah. which was actually happening because we were we were working on that uh, thing, yeah, the, the show with yeah. for for and then of course COVID happened and then damn everything stopped. Everything but we stopped. still but we still found ways, and I think that's what got me through as a you know being a freelancer, mm. um, practically all my life and working you know project to project, um, gig to gig, right? That's mm. what that mentality and that experience helped me cope because, okay, I'm broken. I have no shows. Mm -hmm. Why am I panicking? I don't need to panic. I have been here before mm -hmm. because it happens. You know, you don't have a gig. You're not earning any money and somehow you find the gig, but there's always that uncertainty in this kind of life in the arts. And that's, that's across the board, right? Yeah. Of course. Um, you know, theater, dancing, you know what I mean? Um, 
um, that's what made us pivot in very creative ways because we've been in this position before. Shit, walang show, walang gig. I don't panic. Mm. All my life, I've, I've, you know, there are seasons within the year where you have no shows. Right. So I'm used to this. So how do we cope? How do we figure, you know, fig- figure things out? You talk to like-minded people or people who are in the same boat and you get together and you figure things out, how you're going to move forward. And I think right. that's the mentality that really helped the creative industry because the people with nine to five jobs didn't know what the hell happened to them. Yeah. And the people, yeah. you know, the people with regular jobs, nine to five, you know, the, 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 the working class and all that, yeah. they had the rug pulled out from under them. I mean, the rug was pulled out from all of us. But we adapted better than most because we're so used to this. Oh, show was canceled. Now what? Mm-hmm. You know? And that's what helped me at least pivot and repurpose myself and reinvent myself in that sense. Now we got to work to get music, live music, the live experience of bringing people together in a safe way. You know, in a safe way now that there are other things to consider other than, you know, um, the usual um, hazards of throwing a concert, right? Um, But the initiatives and the efforts must continue because we're human beings and we need our fellow human beings to share in the same religious experience that a live concert or a live show can bring you. But it's it's really that's the thing. It's it's really tricky because you want the live show to be uh, as much as as much people as you can put in there. Yeah, and it's not going to be anywhere near that, you know, because yeah. Yeah. you can't until until you know um, until everybody's or most the people or everybody who wants to be vaccinated has, has been vaccinated, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Then. But slowly. Yeah. Slowly. We don't don't need everybody here. We just need brave souls who will take the chance (laughs) to go to a gig, you know, and follow the safety protocols. Wear a fucking mask. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? Just follow the protocols and you'll be fine. Yeah, dude. I mean, already. But there's a band in the grocery. I mean, like in. in Taiwan and also in New Zealand, they already have music yeah, festivals. They have concerts now. Yeah, and uh, it just goes to sh- to show that you know the it's like um, it's it's like uh, what happens in high school or in school. You know, you always have the nerds who are always prepared, always studying, always, you know. And then when shit hits the fan, they're the ones who always cope the best, right? And then you, and then you have oh, that's, the, that's why, man. If you're a Boy Scout, yeah, be prepared, yeah, man. Yeah. Or yeah. G.I. Joe, diba? Knowing is half the battle. Knowing is half the battle. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like... um uh, being being an immigrant here in the states when the lockdown happened at this time, uh, actually, mga um, Valent Valentine's last year, Valentine's time, there was already everyone knew what was happening, and it was starting to trickle into the states, and then and then you know the president of last year didn't 
give give a shit. So yeah. he didn't do anything about it. But everyone, I can I could tell you that most of the immigrants here in the states they knew what was going to happen. They knew that yeah. shit's gonna hit the fan. So I'm gonna whatever it needs to be done is what we're gonna do. We're yeah. we're not we're going lockdown. Total lockdown for three months at least. There was a total lockdown. There was no one in the street, no one in the mall, no one, no one out at all. And then everyone was wearing a mask again. But then, of course, you had the locals that have never experienced something like this before. Yes, yes. You know, we were more, when, pre- we were more prepared. We were more prepared because we, it happens in third world countries when, yeah, when uh, basic services can actually uh, disappear. You know, like imagine, can you, like it happened, just happened in Texas. That snow, yeah. that, that, that whole yeah. snowstorm and no there's power, no, like, no power, you know, no power, no water. I mean, the amazing thing, at least here, we're more prepared in one sense, but I'm imagining, you know, what they had to go through in Texas because, dude, it was like negative six degrees. Yeah. That's something that we have never you know, prepared for because we don't have that kind of weather here. Yeah, least. you don't. Uh, no, it, 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 I mean, it's never going to snow in, in the Philippines. Never. I mean, yeah. we're fucked if it does. We're really <laughs> fucked. Yeah, I mean, dude. just, you know, try and fucking, you know, I don't know, man. Do whatever you need to do to live life because if it snows in the Philippines, we're fucked, man. But it has, when the, no, but when it has snowed in Texas before. Yeah. So the problem there was is that they didn't retrofit their equipment, the power grid and, and all of those things for snow, for freeze, you know, to yeah. antifreeze, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. So that's where the whole thing happened. So now, you know, being an immigrant, when I look at that, it's like, by the way, I remember, man, when I was in high school, there were rolling blackouts, dude. For oh, yeah. weeks, pare. Yeah. Weeks of no electricity, pare. Living yeah. by candlelight, dude. Yeah. yeah. I, re- I remember those rolling blackouts in Manila. I had just yeah. started in hit productions. And the first investment... Dude, the there, was even hit- mo- dude, dude, there was even more earlier than that. When I was still in high school, mm. there were rolling blackouts. But yeah, the, in the 90s, there were the, the blackouts yeah, in again. In the 90s, there were the blackouts. And I yeah. remember the first thing that they did was buy this kick-ass genset. Like, it was the Harley Davidson of frigging gensets. Right? And so we had power. So there, you know, in weeks that were scheduled blackouts in my house, I'd, I'd live na lang in the studio kasi I have to be here anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I think mentally and I guess emotionally also, we were more prepared in this sense because we were so used to the basic social services, you know, shutting down. Yeah. Um, whether it be a natural disaster, our power grid failing, yeah. um, record amounts of rainfall, or a coup d'etat. A coup d'etat. You know what I mean? Holy <laughs> fucking shit. A fucking revolution, Pat. A revolution, you know, which is, it's the, you know. We just came from the anniversary of, yeah. But man. you know, a lot of things would shut down, and we were just like, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, this is what we're gonna do, dude. We I, don't panic. You know, it's like it's my sister and I. We talk about it when when things like this happen, and and you know, when quote unquote white people freak out, 
yeah. you're just like you're like dude we've seen fucking ATVs and tanks go down the freaking highway man because there's a fucking coup d'etat and yeah. the fucking you know the highway's blocked with buses and you're like what the fuck is going on here man yeah. you know and 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 then and then when you and then here because there are some people here a lot of people here that were just you know anti mask and whatever you're like man you guys and they're complaining it's like oh you're you're uh messing you're, you're, with my freedom yeah yeah it's like dude you don't know you don't understand what freedom is pare if you think that is fucking messing with your freedom then you don't know what you got you don't know what you got, man. You really yeah. don't know what you got, man. But then that's what's interesting about this whole thing is that you know people are people are waking up, in a sense. People are, you know, um, figuring shit out that, you know, appreciating what they have, um, yeah. in terms of like, oh, you know, this is what it means to go without. So let's appreciate yeah. what we have. Yeah, um, and. Really, it's a, it's all about, you know, if we don't want this to happen again, we got to work together. It's exactly. again, you know, we go back to bringing people together, whether it be under an idea, under a, a belief, or in a in an arena with a good band playing. Yeah, it's getting people together so we can we can you know appreciate what we have and also to thresh out our differences and figure mm-hmm. out how we can enjoy this life and live this life as much as we can without, you know, stepping on anybody else. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, when you go back to live and let live, it really is the most important thing. As long as what you're doing isn't stepping on me and what I'm doing is not stepping on you, then we can agree to disagree. We can believe in what we believe in. And we can continue to, you know, enjoy the most basic things. Family, love, food on our table, roof over our heads, um, pursuing, you know, what we need or what we want to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the most important thing that this great equalizer of a pandemic um, has created. But again, um, I'm talking from a position of privilege because I do have electricity. I do have a roof right. over yeah. Right. Um, I'm still scrambling to make ends meet, but then that's not different from any other year. Yeah. Um, and there are people who are um, from the generosity and the kindness of their own hearts have gone out of their way to volunteer, to help people, to help the less fortunate. Yeah. It, I've never seen movements bigger than this where, you know, um, when we used to volunteer uh, in, the, in the early in the pandemic, we used to deliver um, supplies to the frontliners, to our nurses who couldn't leave the hospitals. All right. And it's amazing how many donations we would pick up in a day yeah. and bring it to the less fortunate or the people who actually needed it. Yeah. The outpouring of care um, was so apparent. It was so strong that it brought us into a sense of community, which I hadn't seen in a while because, you know, sectors of society are so divided. We like our walls. We like our comfort zones. And people yeah. are going out of their comfort zones to help other people. And that, for me, um, was the sheer display of humanity 
made me believe in what it is at that moment, right? At that moment of the outpouring of, of generosity and kindness and caring and, and, you know, people who were not that well off but still willing to help other people. That's where you, your humanity yes. comes out. That's where your character comes out. That, yes. And, you know, if, if you are still around today um, having survived this pandemic a year into it and the economic turmoil and the political turmoils it has brought and all that, yeah. that means you're doing something. You are essential, no matter it is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're essential as a human being, whether it, you know, you could be in the front lines volunteering or you could be safe at home but reaching out to your friends who need somebody to talk to. Yeah. That is equally as important to me because the only way we're going to get through this is together. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's, that's the silver lining, I would like to say, in this entire pandemic. Um, and that's what something that I strive towards. I mean, sure, you get bogged down by your day-to-day life and your struggles and you're yeah. you know, having to make ends meet. But if you don't lose the bigger picture, you are not alone in this. Yeah. You know, I can just imagine the impact of the mental health, which won't show itself until years later. The trauma that this pandemic. Yeah, the, the PTSD, man, of the, the frontliners, man. Yeah, the PTSD. Not, not even just the frontline. The frontliners have it and, you know, they have a reason for it. But then yeah. I have a friend, Wolf. I have a friend who hasn't left his house. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he's freaking out. He called me uh, about two weeks ago, and he's like, "Pare, I'm going crazy." And I'm like, "Dude, you gotta you gotta at least try and see people because he lives alone. He orders everything online. Uh-huh. Deliveries get brought to his doorstep, and he hasn't left his home in a year." Uh, but then, but then you can. Yes, you can. But yeah. he's just afraid. but he's just afraid. And you, oh, you he's going nuts because he's all alone at home. Right. So in that sense, the mental, the mental issues that are going to be coming up, we're, 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 we're being yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids today are being raised as a generation who doesn't oh, hug. Yeah. They're not going to be huggy. They're not yeah. going to be huggy. Because that's been ingrained to them because they went through a pandemic. I can't hug somebody. Just right. imagine that alone freaks me out. Human contact. I'm amazed about the people who have, like, I have a friend who managed to get a girlfriend over the pandemic. Sabi ko, hayop ka mag-text. Kasi via text lang yun, ha? Okay, pare. Hirap nun. Ang hirap nun. Pero... Hirap nun to convince someone to... Pero mad, mad, you got mad skills, bro. Oh, my God. This guy's a poet, man. Yeah. What the fuck did he say, man? Like, can you document this? Yeah, but just the just the mental issues that are and the psychological issues that are going to come out because of this trauma that that the whole world has gone through. I know, That's why man. it's so important that you know we we all got into this together. We all we are all going to get out of this. Yeah, together. that's the only way. Yeah, yeah, because we can we we know what we've been through. Yes, we know when you say shit, man. I was fucking. Stuck in my house the whole year. It's like, yeah, me too. Shit. Yeah, me too. Exactly. You know, you could be total strangers and have something in common. Yes. That you is, have, you have a defining common experience. Yeah. 
And from there, you can already connect with whoever that is. Which is like, so what do you do? You know, you ask questions. You like, what do you do? What do you do to, you know, to entertain yourself? It's like, I don't know, man. I just like fucking going crazy every fucking day, man. Or, you know, whatever, you know. Yeah. And, I, yeah, I think there's, it's a chance when, when, when all of this is hopefully over. It's that there's a chance for people well, there's a chance for people now to realize what they really, like you said, what they really want. What do you really yeah. want, man? Do you yeah. want to fucking, you know, whatever, Patty, whatever, just do it, man. Just do it. Yeah. Like, I mean, this this podcast that I that I did, and the 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 one that you're you're doing also. If there was no pandemic, I wouldn't be doing this because I exactly I'd have something else to do. Something really fruitless and <laughs> and stupid, but I'd be doing it because life would be still going on. Just the whole thing, like, well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm in theater, right? Yeah. So most of my theater work, like, I, I would have shows lined up for the year, whether I'd be directing it or, you know, acting in it and all that. And just the whole idea, my whole idea of listening and discovering music has changed during this pandemic. Because, you know, for years... I am like I listen to music, but it's music that I have to learn. Right. It's music that I have to dissect. I have to learn how to sing it. I have to know how to act it. I have to memorize it, yeah. and that would dominate my listen, my musical experience, because I'm in musical theater. Mm-hmm. But when all my shows were canceled, I went back to discovering music just for the sheer pleasure of it. Right. Because I didn't have to learn it. And that alone has changed my daily life. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, I go to my Spotify. Okay. Uh, Spotify has created this playlist for you. Oh, singing up. While last before, I would have my set playlists. Right. Or yeah. playlists of songs that I would have to learn. Yeah. Same now thing here. Like, now it's like, pucha, high up this band. Who's this band? You know what I mean? And you're discovering, I'm discovering music. On a daily basis. Me too. On a daily basis, yeah. And figuring out what I like, what I don't like. Mm-hmm. But it's as me. Not because I have to learn it. Not because I have to practice it. Not because I have to memorize it. Yeah. But it's just, do I like these guys or not? Yeah. And that, that has changed my daily life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you're actually making a choice. It's like, uh, suggest you know Spotify suggestions for you or whatever or yeah. new new yeah. releases new releases yeah and it's it, to me it's like wow there are people releasing music during a pandemic it's like how you know it's like this is you know at least that didn't stop can you yeah. imagine if there was no mu- no new music coming out for one whole year you know it'd be like. What amazes me are these artists who have only started creating during the pandemic. Yes. So one oh thing I'm very God. curious about, like, you know, they've had to go through an entirely different recording process, uh-huh. a different creative process mm-hmm. because you're stuck at home, right? Yeah. And one thing I'm very excited for with these artists who got together only during the pandemic, like just the whole idea that they've never played their shit live. Can you yeah. imagine? The, Can you imagine the moment that they do? Yeah, wow. oh, that's gonna be amazing. You know, the, in, um, um, there there are so many, especially on Instagram, 
there are so many musicians, home musicians, because they're young, really young kids. And, and, and I'm, when I say young, um, I'm not saying 15 or anything. That's a little too young. Maybe 17, 18. No? Yeah. But these guys are these guys are playing. You know, these are and women shredding guitars. There's so many women shredders out there on Instagram. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? It's like, can you imagine if this happened like 20 years before? Because this is only happening now. Yes. And and one reason, of course, or is we're like, only seeing them now. We're only seeing them now. We're only seeing them now. No, they're, yeah. and and maybe, they're pretty. And they're, maybe, maybe they've been practicing all these years. Yeah, they've been practicing. They since they were be seen, and now yeah. since we're all at home and we're checking out social media, and they have a platform to release their stuff, it's so easy to release your stuff now, dude. And they're not and even releasing. They're not even releasing stuff, dude. They're just playing licks, man. They're just playing licks. They're just playing licks, dude. And the thing is, most of them, and I'm just talking in re- reality terms. Most of them are attractive women who are shredding the guitar or playing blues on the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. They're comp- they're really good guitarists to begin with. It's, and that's the, that's the main point. But they're also attractive women. Yes. So it's funny how in a year, in even less than a year, you start to follow these musicians, not just women, but men as well, you know, because there's this, this, there's this one young kid, Pat, and he's a drummer. His name's, uh, um, oh gosh, I forget his name, whatever. And he drums along all these live jazz performances by like wow. Buddy Rich and all of these, like really wow. wild, you know, big band jazz, which is wild. Yeah. You know, it's really yeah. wild. The drums there are really wild. And he does it note for note, man. And this guy, he's a kid. He's probably maybe 21, 22. You know, really young and really good. And he got famous on Instagram, just like all these other women. And you see them getting more popular and more popular. It's like right now, this guy, this kid drummer, he started out in the garage. And you can tell that because behind him is a garage door. You yeah. know, the American garage doors, right? Yeah. So you say, okay, he's in the garage. That's normal. Drummers play in their garage. Party. That's what drummers do. Now, he got a new room that was sponsored by someone. And he got a, a recording room where he, nice. he does the same thing, but the room, it's not his garage anymore. Or It's a, a nice room. I think, or maybe they really set up his garage with, uh, you know, with uh, sound panels and all of that, yeah. you know. And then he has his logo in the back already, his signature, you know, his autograph in the back. And this is a kid who just played on Instagram. And now he's like that. And then it's funny to see all these other young women. There's this there's this Italian uh, woman who plays blues guitar. Doesn't speak a word of English. He's Italian. And now... She was. She's. Uh, you could see her getting sponsorship, and then another sponsorship, and then, and then she's getting a sponsorship from clothes and all of that because she's wow. you know, an attractive woman, you know. So you're you're seeing these these kids getting, um, having some sort of success, you know, some yes. level of success, be yeah. it monetary or sponsorship or whatever or recognition. And 
that's fine and good. But what I want to see is that if ever, if any of these kids, after all of this is done, when live music is back up, if any one of them are going to get hired mm. and they're really going to go out into the world and yeah. become, because they're really good, man. They are fucking galeng, Pat, especially that drummer guy. I don't know if anyone's not going to fucking hire this kid. It's going to be <laughs> nuts, Pat. You know? And then, so same thing with all the other um, the other women online and some of them can just shred the fucking guitar to, to, to pieces, man. You know? And it's just interesting to watch them develop every month, month after month, day after day. Because that's the thing, that's the fucking trap of, of social media. Once you get in there, you gotta keep on and keep on yeah, and keep on yeah, and keep on. Yeah, yeah. So you have to be in people's uh, radar all the time. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. So with them, it's easy for them because they just play their instruments. Yeah. You know, and if and and, and on the women's side, the women's the women, uh, you know, and they they put makeup, they do their hair, they play their guitars. My gosh, they get a hundred new followers in a day. You know. And that leads them to more sponsorships. It leads more them to more opportunities. Yeah. But you know, I mean, as long as you know, I hope like with these, with these, with these kids who are starting this today, right? When um, you know they are stars in social media, um, and they're they're getting sponsorships and they're getting you know a measure of success. Yeah. If they get together and put up a band, and actually hit the road, yeah. Um, will they be just as good in yeah. an uncontrolled environment? In an uncontrolled environment, yes. Because it's not their room anymore, yeah, man. Not your room. You're <laughs> in a TV bar and there are drunk guys. You know what I mean? Or, you know, magulo na concert and all that. But, you know, the, the beauty, I think, with, with this rise of the internet, um, the internet stars, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It all started because they just wanted to do their thing and put it out there. I mean, that's the seed of it. Yes. There's no pressure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's no there's no pressure. Like when this pandemic happened and we were all locked down, right? Mm-hmm. There was no pressure on that younger generation. Oh, you gotta go and get a job, you know? Oh yeah. you, you you can't go out. So exactly. what do you do? And these guys are developing and honing their skills and their chops. And I for one, I can't wait till you know, for when live music is allowed again and we all come back again. And we see how they would respond to an actual audience. To an actual audience, yeah. How they would respond to the actual energy yeah. of a gig. There's no take two, pare. Or and even then, even just the basic stage fright, you know? Yeah, yeah. You the know, butterflies in your stomach, man. I mean, I've been performing for 40 years and I always get fucking nervous. Like yeah, me like, too, man. Eat before a performance. No, I'm <laughs> you know? dude. The worst, the the worst, uh, the worst times that I have fucking uh, um, my 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 bowel movements are not good. Is during the <laughs> tour, pare. Because <laughs> we're always you're always eating, and then you're always anxious, pare. So you can't yeah. really digest the food really well, pare. Yeah. You're like, and then it's like it's like a fucking bad habit of mine. Before, like before the Wolfgang days, big show. I'm like, 
I'm like, fuck, I got to take a shit before the show, man. I don't want to <laughs> fucking shit during the show, man. You know, you have all these anxieties and shit. And you just can't, you know, voila, it's just not not comfortable, man. <laughs> but anyway. The thing is the stage fright and the anxiety. I mean, for whatever, however long you've been performing. I mean, I've been doing this for 40 years. It's never gone away. I've just gotten better at anticipating it yeah. and managing it. But I'm always freaking out. You know, right before I go on stage, I always ask myself, why the hell do you keep on putting yourself through this? <laughs> Are you a masochist? I know, really. <laughs> you, 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 you go through this amount of stress where, you know, if you fuck up, it's going to be in front of a lot of people. Yeah, you know, and all that. As soon as you step on that stage and you hit that groove, you're like, oh, this is this is why. I this is why. <laughs> this is why I go through all this anxiety and all this stress. Yeah. So with this man. new now, like with these new artists now who are pandemic artists, um, uh-huh. I can't wait to see how they respond live. Yeah, when, when they can take out, and you know, I've I've interviewed some some of these pandemic artists. I've spoken to them, and you know, some of them are afraid, um, some of them are excited, mm-hmm. but universally, there's always this one condition. There's all there's always this one idea that they can't um, they can't get over. How are my songs that I created by myself or with a bunch of people over the internet, right? Mm-hmm. How are my songs going to go down with an actual live audience? Yeah. Are they, are they going to be as good when, you know, instead of streaming, right? The people who are enjoying some success in their yeah. pandemic recordings, is this going to go down well live? Can I do this live? How do I do this live? Yeah. Some of the artists are just like with machines, yeah. right? Yeah. And they're like, what? I got it. I need an actual drummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? And yeah. it's like, yeah. And that's going to be exciting to see because then they're going to experience, because it's a very controlled environment in how you record now um, because you can't see each other or you yeah. interact with each other. But then there's no, when you send an email of, you know, the, the drum track, it's got to be bilang. There's no room for jamming because people have to know when to punch in and parts, right? When they start doing this live and they discover the jamming, can you imagine where their songs will go? I'm like, I'm so excited for these guys. Yeah, man. Yeah. Or when you're you're Wasak 9, it's your second set. You know, and you're wasak, and you're like, you start the song, and you're like, oh shit, where are we going? Yeah. <laughs> they experience moments like that. How are they going to react to that yeah. moment? How are they going to get through that moment? What, 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 what is there? What will happen to their music? Well, a lot of you them know? are going to for sure get a culture shock because, especially those who only started, like you said. You know, pan- pandemic artists. Yeah. If they only started now, and they've never been in front of an, an audience, or of even just ten a live people, audience, a, a live, live audience. audience. Yeah, a live you audience. Get of the just, reactions. You're getting reactions real time. Yeah, of people and who via, don't, of people you don't know and who don't know you. Yeah. People who don't give give a shit about you. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and That's people the, who are actually watching you and not pressing like or the heart button. Exactly. Right there. Yeah. And it's not and it's not to say that they don't deserve the likes and all that because they are good, but but it's a totally different interaction. Yeah, yeah. No, no. You're in you're in the same room with them, 
you know, and they're drinking and you're drinking and what's yep. going to happen? That great unknown. Yep. That's why I think seriously when all, when all this dies down, we're going to go into a renaissance, a sort of a renaissance in every art form. Yeah. Works of art are going to be coming out that are going it's not, to... It, it's, it's, and it's not going to happen until uh, <laughs> everything is not back, I wouldn't say back to normal, but back in uh, 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 back in working condition. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah. And um, because like right now, it's all techie stuff that's getting uh, yeah, developed. That's, yeah, that's keeping us, you know, running. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's the stuff that's getting developed. You know, uh, better streams, better whatever. It, it's always tech. It's it's not art because, uh, well, I don't know because it's art. Tools. Well, I mean, painters are solo artists anyway. It's, but but it's the tools. The tools. The technology is actually giving you better tools now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think going through this collective experience has given people, or have has made people realize that they have something to say. Yeah. Once you have something to say and you have the tools to say it, um, when things go back to normal working conditions or, you know, when things are working again, uh-huh. we're going to have to relearn how to live our daily lives. Yeah. That's fucking exciting. Yep. To me, it's scary, but it's exciting because like, I, I can leave the house without a mask. When that day comes, <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> holy shit. Uh, they yeah, can oh, see. They can see my face. Oh shit! They can oh, see shit. my face. They can see my reaction. <laughs> you know, and and you and we've gotten so used to being so like transparent because we're underneath a mask. Yeah. Once we remove our masks, it's going to be in in more than just removing the physical mask, but the, yeah, the, the human mask that we wear when we go outside might be removed as well. There we go. Those, those, guys, those guys knew. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's like how do you uh, it's like when you speaking as a uh, as a um, 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 a guy when you're out and about you know, and you see women, you know, you look. Yeah. Glance, check them out, whatever. And then with them, you know, with everyone wearing masks, you're like, wow, ganda ng mata nito. Ganda ng mata nito. Ganda ng mata nito. You're like looking at everyone's eyes. So it's like, it's not a complete... <laughs> it, I, a I complete sound picture. so mean, but the thing is that I'm it's like that. I'm, I'm a, it's not a complete picture, man. It's not a complete picture. <laughs> But the thing is, I'm a visual person, so it's important to me that what I'm looking at uh, is is uh, is you know not not aesthetically pretty, but it agrees with me. My senses yeah. like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know because it like it, you know the saying "beauty eyes in the eye of the beholder." You know which yeah. which is true. You know it's like. But then you're like, oh my god, you, you know. You, then you have that. The, then you have the devil, pare, in the other shoulders, like pare. If they take off that mask, 
bungian pare. You know, you have you know, you have sinister thoughts like that pare. And then so it's funny how I want to because I'm sure someone's talking saying the same thing about me. Yeah. You know, oh, well, this guy's nice eyes, but he might have a fucking buck tooth, man, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so or if I close him, he might have bad breath. No, yeah. Exactly, you know, while I'm judging others, you know, people are judging me. So, and uh, it's just interesting, like you said, Nat, when the masks come off, it's like, how are you going to treat other people now? Yeah. How am I going to treat this person? It's like, am I going to treat them just because they're pretty or I'm going to treat them because they're a person, you know? You know, it, it's funny. The beginning of this year, I had a, I had a film shoot in Nueva Ecija. Right. Uh, yeah. Which is a town in Nueva Ecija where um, they had zero COVID cases. Uh-huh. So driving, so you know, we were the first uh, film outfit to be allowed there, and I was a safety officer, so we were all wearing masks. And to drive through a town where people weren't wearing masks and people were going about their daily lives. There's no COVID there? Zero COVID, right? Um, oh. In this town we were shooting, and that's why we were allowed to shoot there. And that's why I had to be very strict because if... COVID was to get there, it would be from us. Yeah, so exactly. Safe, right? Yeah. But just, just to drive through a town, you know, you see Sari Sari stores, there was a burol, people were gambling, you know how we are. Oh, yeah, diba? yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dance outdoors and all that. And I'm like, well, social distancing. Because zero COVID. Zile. Yeah. It was such a joy to see um, people with no masks. People were smiling, laughing, crying. Um, screaming at each other. I mean, there was a guy <laughs> screaming. I remember there was a there, there there was a couple fighting on the road when we were when we were going through to to go to our location, and I remember thinking, "Wow, what a joy it must be to be able to have a fight on the road without masks." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, I was making up a story in my head. Probably he didn't do the laundry or something. But but you know you see kids playing on the street without masks and they didn't have they my first my first reaction was oh my god safety protocol violation but because they had <laughs> you know of course why aren't you wearing masks yeah right but then you when you realize they had zero covid and they didn't have to wear masks the sheer we I mean everybody in the film shoot we were all like so touched because ang sarap ng buhay nila because. You know, they didn't have to worry about. How did they keep themselves COVID-free? Did they? They were, they were, they were quarantined. It was a hard lockdown. Oh, they quarantined themselves. Yeah, the mayor oh. actually did a very good job oh. in and uh, controlling, you know, entry and exit um, right. into this town. They still had the basic necessities, but they were very careful. So to see that in the beginning of this year, um, I was there for two weeks and I was like so ingit. Wow. Because it's like, sarap. Yeah. But then of course, we had to wear our masks because we were from Manila. I mean, even if we're all tested, it doesn't guarantee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just to see the smiles and little kids running, um, <laughs> you know, around. Um, people looking at you like really weird because yeah. why are you guys all wearing masks? And I'm like, because we're protecting you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Just their full faces was such an experience, a profound experience. And it made you long for, you know, I mean, now people are longing for simpler times. Talaga. People are longing for, you know, you, you, the, the, the nostalgia is such a big deal because, 
you know, now our daily lives are, you know, masks, face shields, alcohol, social distancing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, you know, that, the, I, what I'm looking forward to when you remove the masks, when the masks finally come off for the whole yeah. world, is to see somebody's face, to see somebody's smile, to hear, because I'm auditory, to hear their voices, not muffled by a mask. Yeah. And eventually hugs. Yeah, because the energy you get from a hug is, you know, tremendous. Oh yeah, and, man. And that energy has nowhere to go nowadays because we're not hugging. Yep. And you can't. It's, you, yeah, you it, can't. It just and it just feels weird. It's like you want to, but they're like, no, can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotta keep you safe. I gotta keep me safe. Yeah, man. And that old mentality when the masks come off and we're able to hug. You know, but that's what they look forward to. There's going to be another baby boom and all of that. You know, <laughs> all these people who hooked up in pandemic relationships get to consummate their. Oh my God. Yeah, dude. The motels then, are going to be big. And then everyone who, everyone else who doesn't do that is going to be like, fuck. We're, you know, I, like, I want that too. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm, you know, I'm going to take advantage, but it's like, you never know, man. Soon, there's light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> um, soon, soon we're gonna get there. I mean, you know, we've the world has survived pandemics before, so um, history is proof. Yeah, that uh, you know the world will keep on turning. The, the, the question ever, is, become did, a better world. Did you ever see those uh, old photos from the 1920s from the Spanish flu? Yeah. They were wearing masks. Yeah, it's like fucking what the fuck, man. And it, so it's so if it weren't for this pandemic, no one would have ever seen those pictures. Exactly. That you know, like, and it's you know, case in point. We had a shoot. We did this Manila Heritage concert, and we shot our first day shoot. We were shooting in all these places in Manila because it was for the city of Manila, and uh, it was a tribute to Hot Dog um, for the right. Manila yeah, South. yeah. And the first what place was that Jones Bridge. Yeah, we shut down Jones Bridge. We right. shut down Luneta Park, you know. Um, but the first place that we shot in was Paco Park. Uh, and I remember, you know, I used to live in Paco. I used to go there every Sunday. Right, um, concert at the park. Know, yeah, concert at the park, you know, and all that. And then, you know, you, I, the one thing I never realized about Paco Park, I knew it was a cemetery. And most of them were children inside, right? Oh. But I never, I never realized that Paco Park was a cemetery created for... The Spanish flu. So oh. for, that's the first place we shot. So we were like, holy shit, you know, 200 years ago, almost to the day, mm -hmm. we're here, we're fighting a pandemic, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and we are here in this venue that was created from the previous pandemic. From the previous pandemic. Fuck. And when that locked in, we were like, Pucha, we're, 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 you know, right place at the right time doing the wow. right thing. Because we're paying tribute also to all these sacred spaces in Manila. But we didn't realize that until we locked down the shooting day. We locked down the venue with all our logistics lined up. And I'm like, wow, wow, 200 years ago. 200 no, years ago. Oh, yeah, 100. 100. 100. 100. No. Yeah. Wait, 1920s. No, 1920s. Paco Park is more than 100 years old, Barre. I think there was a, well, anyway, 
Whatever. Oh. You know what I mean? We may get our dates wrong. This is why we didn't do well in school. Wait, wait, you know, <laughs> we don't, we don't, mean, don't trust but, me, man. But, but just because, just because, you know, we have, we had survived one already before. And here we right. are going through this now. The world has changed. Mm-hmm. But the world was changing also back then. Yeah. They were in the middle of the advent of technology, the invention of electricity, electricity. You know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and now now we're going through the same thing. But again, technology has saved us. But at the same time, um, the the human, the survivors, the people who survive this, are going to be. It's going to be a changed society. And I just hope that when things, when the masks come off, society will develop into a better society yeah, than man. before this pandemic happened. That we're a little kinder. That we're a little more understanding. That we take care of our own. I think that's what that's I'm why, really hoping for, you know. That's why it's also, it's also, I'm also glad that w- the previous president of the U.S. is not there anymore because... <laughs> you have a chance. He, because he doesn't help, Pari. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's he, like that guy, it's like that guy in the fucking whatever, you know, you're like, dude, you're not helping, okay? You're yeah, not helping. Exactly, you're not helping. You're not helping, and you know if and, if and you, you are not helping in so many ways, not just one in way, so but many ways, in dude. So in so many ways, many, dude. Five hundred thousand dead, but I mean, that was that was because there was no preparation at all. Yeah, there's five hundred thousand dead in the states while in Taiwan and New Zealand they're having music festivals. Exactly, and the, and, the, they, and they all always, the countries, they, of all the countries that should have prepared. Everybody or all over the world is thinking, oh, the U.S. will be on top of it, but no, you no, know? because because that's why I'm, I'm, I'm uh, it's like and and they always go well, New Zealand and Taiwan, they're smaller countries. No, it's not about the size of the country, Pare. It's about the leadership. It's about the leadership and the and the the logistics and all of that. How are you going to tackle it? All you have to do is just convert whatever size New Zealand Zealand is and just convert it to American size and then work it from there but it's all it's all just about numbers anyway yeah. it's about how many um how long do we need uh how you know total lockdown wear a mask man <laughs> so many lives could have been saved yes. so many man if they just said wear a mask Because then everyone who followed him would wear a mask because they think that he's God or whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know. And you know, uh, it's just ah, uh, it's just like five hundred thousand people, man. And if you're not gonna change, if I'm, I mean, and the the thing is, there's still remnants here, Paddy, of, of that. Yeah, that I know. There's still remnants, Paddy. It's like give it up already, man. It's like. Now that he's not the president, I, I'm not. I'll just say this, you know. Now that he's not a president, he really looks just like a crazy person. Really, diba? You know, <laughs> who's just rambling? Away, you take just away ra- the position. You take away the position. Yeah. And there's no important. We don't have to listen to you anymore because you're no longer the president. Yeah, you're a crazy old man. He's the old man, and I, I don't know why the fucking media is still fucking. Covering him, he he did a CPAP back, whatever. It's a Republican event, whatever. It's like, why are you still? Yeah, why are you move, still, 
fucking weird time, man. You gotta you gotta move forward. But then you know what? It generates it generates ratings, I would imagine. You know, in that sense. It's not anymore number one headline. Eh? It's yeah. number four, number five. So yeah. wala na yan, pare. You know? yeah, but he's going to keep on making gulo because he needs the limelight on him, pare. No, I know, I, I know, I know. That, that, that part, is, that part is, is understandable and expected. But like I said, without the position, he just sounds like a, he just looks like a crazy man. Yeah. Rambling yeah. And, and being whatever. You know, being Donald Trump, you know, just yeah. he's just not president anymore, Pare. He was a fool before that, and he's still a fool now. <laughs> but anyway, I want to move away from him anyway. Yeah. yeah. But 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 um, I just wanted yeah. to I wanted to Moving. know also your 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 um your your how you got into everything because um as we all know, your dad is Johnny. And yeah. then your older sister's Monique. So you're in a you're in a family of. Well, how did you one, get into it? Was it natural for you? Was it all three kids are like actors? No, your yeah, other we were all um, we all got into theater. We all fell in love with theater. Monique was the first one who said, "I want to do this." And um, what's, what's, your, that, what's your dad? Was your dad a theater actor? Yeah, my dad started in theater. Then he went um, to movies and radio. And he was the one person, he was the one sobering um, person that says, okay, this is a hard life. Our parents, there was one point in time where all four of us kids were in theater and um, my folks sat us down and my dad basically asked us, doesn't anybody want to be a doctor or an engineer? Because <laughs> he was worried about our future, right? right? And, um, you know, I'll, I'll pay for the, your education, but this is the last, you know, if you speak up now or forever hold your peace, because if you decide tomorrow you want to be a doctor, I'm not paying for it anymore. Oh Does God. anybody want to be a doctor? And we said, no, I think we're okay. <laughs> you know? Wait, um, you're four? I, four siblings? Yeah, we're the four, other one? four siblings. Trixie, Trixie, the eldest, is in Connecticut okay. right now. Oh, okay. And I have Monique, Gina, and me. I'm oh, okay, yeah, okay. Um, and it's funny because we all fell in love with it because we went into Repertory Philippines, a summer workshop, um, the summer acting workshop. And that's when the bug bit us. We were watching plays before that. I was always amazed. Uh-huh. So when the opportunity to go into a workshop and to see how these things were put on, yeah. um, the opportunity presented itself. We all went there because, you know, we had this thing about all four kids have to be doing the same thing. Uh, all, all of them have to be together. That's what my dad always said. You know, oh. if, you know, you to, these were like, you know, the 80s. So martial law, he was in politics. Right. So basically it made him feel safe that all four kids oh, were together. Oh, okay, okay. In that sense. Right. So when we all got into that workshop for Repertory Philippines, the bug bit us. And I didn't realize how old were how, you? Oh, I, was se- I did my first play when I was seven years old. Oh, wow. So I was seven years old when I attended that first workshop. And then later on that year, they did Pippin um, with mm-hmm. Audie, Himora's yeah. leading player, Coco Laurel as Pippin. Right. And I was Theo, the little boy. Ah, um, I think and, I saw that one. And that was in Morocco Theater. And yeah. since then, um, theater has been a big part of my life. I didn't realize, though, that this was what I wanted to do Um for the rest of my life until uh, theater stopped for me. Mm. Um, basically, you know, I, I went from, because I took it for granted 
and this is a cautionary tale in terms of um, having grown up in theater, I was being given lead roles. I was being given, you know, um, all these opportunities. And I essentially took it for granted. And there came a point where I was so unreliable, Wolf, that nobody would touch me with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> Shit. Because I was unreliable. I was unprepared. I would come late. I basically taking it for granted, right? Right. And when it was taken away from me, I had to go into corporate. Oh, I had to go into corporate, Wolf. Oh my I, God. I, I, I can't imagine job. you in the corporate world. In the corporate world, right? <laughs> um, and then and then slowly opportunity started presenting itself again to me, and I had to fight my way back from production back to you know um, supporting chorus, supporting roles, then lead roles again and all that. I had to fight my way back into it because I realized only then when I had it had been taken away from me. Only then did I realize that, shit, I need this in my life. This is my life. Um, back then, it was more of a casual thing in terms of, yeah, I'll be in a play. Yeah, I'll be in a band and all mm -hmm. that. And only when it was taken away from me, um, when I couldn't do it anymore because I was, you know, taking it for granted and I was always wasak. I was always, you know, I preferred the lifestyle instead of the actual work. When I valued... Um, these experiences and what it was giving to my life and realized that my life was there. I had to fight my way back. Right. And it was an incredible experience because every step of the way I had to prove myself again. And at the same time I had to fight and work my ass off to get to, you know, where I ended up before all, before this pandemic happened. And it was an amazing journey because you realize, you know, you can't have one set of rules for me and another set of rules for everybody else. Why right. was Jamie being allowed to come late? You know, I realized no matter how talented you are, yeah, you still have to be a professional. You still have to be prepared, come on time. Um, and really, it since I was starved of performing for years, when I get back, I was so like, I'm home. But you got to put in the work to make sure you stay home. You know what I mean? In, yeah. in your home, in your, right. in your, in your preferred art space or in your preferred, you know, um, um, passion in that sense. Yeah. And that's what really made me think now, Pucha, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm going to go nuts anywhere else. <laughs> you know, I need this for my sanity. And I fully, I went into it fully, you know, expecting all these hurdles like I had to prove myself each time every day at every rehearsal for every show I did yeah. I had to prove myself to these people that I'm reliable that I come prepared that I'm doing the best I can that I'm putting 100% of myself into these things it's only then that I realize how lucky I was and how privileged I am to be able to be telling these stories mm -hmm. to be able to perform and it's a feeling that has not gone away since I've come back, since I've realized it. When I was auditioning for a role um, for Rock of Ages um, for Atlantis, mm -hmm. uh, I had a specific role that I wanted to go out for. And I was asked by the director and the producer, um, Jamie, if we can't give you this role, is it okay if we give you another role? And I told them, I don't care if I'm outside in the lobby selling programs. I don't care <laughs> if I'm ushering people to their seats. I don't care if I'm a page turner in the orchestra pit. I have to be part of this magic. 
And I've never forgotten that statement. And I've never gone back on that statement. Simply because if I can't be on stage as part of the magic, then I can be, you know, in the in the peripherals. Yeah. Helping this magic happen. Yeah. But you have to be there, you know. That's yes, your world. I have, to, yeah. yes, I have to be there. Yeah. So I've never gone back on that statement. I meant I I mean it today just as much as I mean it I meant it in 2012 when I said it. <clears throat> so that was the most, you know, um that was the most cathartic um experience in terms of a commitment to pursuing a life in the performing arts. When did you uh the yeah. because when I saw when I first saw you, you were you were doing your Jim Morrison impression in Cali. <laughs> where, where did that come from, dude? I discovered the Doors. You know, I was just thinking about it today. It's like wh- I don't remember the exact moment I discovered the Doors. Um, I think it was. Uh, I think it was in London in particular mm-hmm. um, when I was soaking up all the culture there that I bumped into his biography in a uh. bookstore. Um, I had their albums, but I wasn't, you know, I didn't sell my soul to the doors yet. Like I did the time. Right. <laughs> you know, I wanted to become Jim Morrison. You, you really sold you it, know? man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, I went like, you know, 2000% into it. Yeah. Right. Um, I remember reading about his life and about the doors. That's why I'm a big fan of biographies. I like the story behind the creation and not just the creation because it colors um, the way I hear the music. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's when I went full into it in terms of not just listening to every single album 10 million times, every single song. I mean, to this day, I can still sing you the entire Doors catalog. I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but really? I can sing you the entire Doors catalog. Oh when we did a Doors God. tribute night with Periodico, with Vin Dancel, yeah. Vin was asked, you know, so what songs do you want to sing? So I gave my songs. And then during the rehearsal, he's like, Jamie, but I can't sing this. Do you know it? Yeah. Well, do you know this song? Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. I know all the songs. So I can sing you the entire catalog. Mm. Uh, even if I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but I can sing you the entire catalog right now. Um, I went into also, that opened up a whole bunch of, you know, artists, writers. I started reading Aldous Huxley, The Doors of Perception, because that's what they were named from. Um, I discovered his other books, um, and I discovered other writers like Jack Kerouac, um, on the road, Neil Cassidy, nice. that entire thing opened up to me because after reading his biography and seeing, you know, it's like a time capsule. Mm-hmm. You listen to, like, if you if you love a band, you listen to what they listen to and you listen to what they listen to and you backtrack, right? Um, I wanted to find out what made Jim Morrison and The Doors um, who they were, what kind of artists they were. And that opened up a whole avenue of 
experiences for me, which I will forever be grateful for because eventually that led me to the Grateful Dead, right. which, you know, you couldn't be more different. The doors in the Grateful Dead, you know, as I experienced in the, my first Grateful Dead concert, right? <laughs> All in black tie that, you know? Um, but it opened up a whole new um wealth of experience for me and also that led me to playing with the band yeah because i was in fire and rain eddie rocha gave me two flaming lamborghinis and he said oh wilson i heard you can sing why don't you go up and jam with the band and it was coco jam nice the first night i met coco jam i went up on stage and was like so what are we playing and i told them anything by the doors i know so we started out with break on through we went into love me two times then we eventually you know got to it was from jamming one song i think i did the half a set of the tour songs and i remember so clearly wolf that night where i I realized and this is in my early 20s perhaps i think or maybe even 19 or 20 um when i was jamming with them in fire and rain and i swear like the the roof of fire and rain opened up i could see the sky i could (laughs) see the stars and god and basically god looking down at me and telling me jamie this might be a stage you want to be on as well. Not just the uh, theater stage, but the rock and roll stage. Nice. And that's when like, yeah, pare, rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't be luckier with my first jamming experience. I had Rolly, I had Jun Lupito, I had Rico Veles, I had Heli, I had Bosho behind me. That was my first ever wow. time to jam with a band. Nice. And, you know, I'm blessed. Because you are, all, that, all that led me to that point. And who would have thought, I'm still singing Roadhouse Blues. I know, right? <laughs> well, on that note, thank you very much for joining me, man. It's really thank been thank a pleasure, you. dude. Thank you, Wolf. I miss you. I One miss you days, too, When it's all over, I'm going to come visit you again. Oh, yeah. Anytime, bro. And then we'll take a road trip. We'll take. We'll go to fucking Joshua Tree and mushroom it up. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm all over that. <laughs> all right. Okay, folks. WDRS Talk with my good friend, Jamie Wilson. Thank you very much, man. I'll see you soon, bro. Cheers, man. All right.